Hey guys, Eric here, and I want to talk to you real quick about the dailydownforce.com. Every day, this website covers the latest news and trends in NASCAR, from silly season right through the checkered flag in Phoenix. Need a new morning routine as soon as you wake up? Well, now you have it, dailydownforce.com. This is the website I use to keep up with the industry, the drivers, and of course, what the community is talking about. And speaking of community, dailydownforce.com is also home to some of your other favorite NASCAR content creators. Plus, they've got all sorts of information that I like to keep bookmarked, like schedules, penalties, ratings, and everything you want to know. Oh, and be sure to check out the merch shop while you're there to find some exclusive diecasts and collectibles. So check out dailydownforce.com, that's dailydownforce.com, and I'll see you in the replies. Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at polepositionmag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item, backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Hey, y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They yeah. had been, they had been yeah. around the block a time or two. Wasn't so, the first deal they built, I bet. No, no. You know, you could, I think they were, they had, the, the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped-up car, and he, he complained that the government gave him these piece-of-crap, cheapo cars and that, that were really no match, but he thought he was doing pretty good. And then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappeared. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And it, it, as he said, it was a game of chicken and I was a chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually, he was the guy who, who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy still when Junior got tangled up in a, in a barbed wire fence. <laughs> So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast.
Eric Estep here. One of my favorite parts of being a NASCAR fan is collecting diecasts. It's how I got my start on YouTube, actually. To me, a room is not complete until it features shelves of NASCAR diecast cars. It's as good a time as ever to continue your collection or begin an all-new one by pre-ordering your favorite driver's 2022 next-gen diecast at LionelRacing.com or at any authorized Lionel retailer. Lionel is the official diecast of NASCAR, and don't miss Lionel Racing's NASCAR Authentics diecasts at a Walmart or Target near you. Not only is Lionel the official diecast of NASCAR, but they're also official supporters of the Out of the Groove Podcast Network. So what are you waiting for? Head to LionelRacing.com to order your favorite driver's 2022 diecast. everybody welcome back Hi. to the nascar weekly podcast y'all are unmuted you can say whatever you want right now hello hello everyone. this is the internet that is certainly not the case <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> be careful yeah be careful <laughs> never mind never mind anyway uh let's man let's just get right into it let's just crash right into the turn one wall that wasn't there <laughs> let's just skip right past the barrier really quick i want to thank um John Vandevenner before the show given the 199 super chat and uh, I think we all share in this sentiment uh rest in peace to Buddy Arrington and Ben Scully mm-hmm. uh and by the way Danny will not be here tonight he has some uh personal stuff to deal with but he'll be back next week he's hosted next week mm-hmm. uh, he better be back he better be back better yeah here I'll make sure, I'll, I'll put it in the chat make sure everyone's good to go but it's lonely down here on the bottom shelf. I got nobody to my left. Oh, yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. Well, Jared can switch you up every now and then. Yeah. 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 Put Darian down here. Every now. Once <laughs> yeah. I get a little, once uh, you know, get to intermission. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll switch you back and forth. Uh, like a mime go. in a box. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's like the really crappy version of Man in the Box by Alice in Chains, but... One day we need to like hire actors. Like when I put my hand like this, somebody on your house there, Darian, puts a hand, or yeah. puts a hand up as well, like to finish the the piece. We need to do that. Yeah, <laughs> and I get really trippy sure. really fast. Really quick, right before we get into it, the other one that was before the show that isn't on the uh, activity on the 
on the stream here for me. Melon Smasher one, thank you for the five. Says the field goes into turn one. Ross Chastain, secret tunnel. Anyway, yeah. I saw that. I saw that. Who made that? Was it Denny Delivers that <laughs> made that on Twitter? There's a whole like edit. I was waiting for you to retweet it, and I, I forgot to send it to you. Uh, I'll retweet it after the show. By the way, be sure to lick that like button. We're already at 300 watching at the moment, so let's just get in uh, to the show right here and start getting into the cup race itself. We'll start with the guy on the bottom, Eric. Tyler Reddick gets his second win this year. Is this the start of a championship-style run? Is he an actual contender? Oh, he, he, he's a he's a he's a contender. He's not as you would say about other drivers, Jared. A waste of a playoff spot. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have him as an like an, a championship four favorite just yet. But I think at this point, anything short of a round of eight run would be a disappointment. Yeah, you know, maybe anything short of a championship four would be a disappointment because we were talking about this before the show. A lot of spins, a lot of little single two car instants at Indianapolis this weekend. But really none for Tyler Reddick. He was the one driver who didn't seem to put a wheel wrong all day long. Very impressive. Not only his second win of the year, but his second win at a road course. And you keep in mind some of the other races he's dominated this year or had a chance to win. Bristol Dirt. He's been great at kind of the odd tracks. We know he's good at some of the, the mile and a half scenery. It's like Homestead, Darlington, places he can rip the fence. But he's showed out on the other speedways this year. And, you know, Indianapolis was just the latest example. Darren. Yeah, he, he's been pretty good, like, at most places he's ran at, too. I mean, especially early in the year, if he just had a little bit of luck. I mean, who knows how many wins he could have had at this point. But, I mean, to get two wins right before the playoffs, he's definitely peaking. Um, um, now, is he peaking at the right time? Mm, I don't know. I mean, out of all the drivers this year, how many drivers have multiple wins this year? Four, right? Uh, Yeah, I can list them off really quick. Chase okay. Elliott, Ross Four, Chastain, five. Joey Logano, Tyler Reddick. Yeah, actually six. William Byron oh. and Denny Hamlin. So, yeah. I mean, William Byron. That's right. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, like, I mean, is he a championship contender right now? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to go that far just yet. I mean, like, William Byron. He's in the mix. Has, I mean, William Byron has two wins, though. Do you consider him a championship contender? No, no but, so I, but I, exactly, I consider Reddick ahead of Byron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. like, I feel like this year, I mean, last year he was in the playoffs. He um he was eliminated during the round of 16, I believe. So, I mean, I, anything yeah. of, so anything above that, in my opinion, if he, even, even if he gets eliminated in the uh, – in the uh, round of 12, for example, it's still considered an improvement, too. I mean, it would be a tad disappointing if he didn't make it to at least the round of eight, considering how well, you know, they're running, you know, um, right before the playoffs are about to start. But, I mean, still overall a solid season for Tyler Reddick. And also considering the circumstances, you know, you know, surrounding him and the team, I mean, it's it's good, you know, to see them still win races. I think that for Reddick to actually prove that he can be in the mix and uh, and be a true contender – I think he just he has to win somewhere that's not a road course. Like, yeah. And, and, like, one of these intermediates, like Michigan this coming week, yeah, it doesn't translate directly to any track coming up, but it would be much closer to, say, like, a Michigan race would be much closer to, say, a Homestead race or a Kansas race than a road course would be. Yeah, you got the Rollful, but that's it. That's one road course out of ten races. So I think it's, like, if he wins, you know, this week um, – or if he beats Elliott at Watkins Glen, then I, that's that will be the one road course uh, win that he could get before the playoffs, so the only one, of course. But that'd be the one win in that respect that I'd be like, okay, if you beat Chase Elliott at Watkins Glen, you're for sure someone who can, can mm -hmm. compete with them. Um, but speaking of people who couldn't compete with them, about half the field spun nonstop, especially into turn one. 
Uh, Darian, kind of start us off with your thoughts on the absolute insanity that Turn 1 at Indy caused. See, I was for I was for the Indy Road Course last year just because, you know, we were getting over the whole Indy Oval era, and then, I don't know, just a lot of those races really didn't produce a whole lot of excitement. But then I was like, I was I was very surprised with how entertaining last year's race was. and But I was also thinking um, at the same time during that time, I was thinking, okay, like, yeah, that was entertaining, but, like, I mean, how is it going to be next year? Is it going to be, like, you know, like, still more chaos and stuff, or are we actually going to see legit racing? And unfortunately, I mean, we did get some racing from time to time, but it felt like most of the race was just an absolute, like, just an absolute clown show towards the end, especially towards the end there. I, I would towards say the towards end the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me rephrase that. Towards the end of the race. Um, it was an absolute clown show because I mean before you know in stages one and two like yeah you had your typical you know uh, road course strategy you know plays and stuff like that you know because stages and road courses are still for some reason a thing I still don't personally like it but it's, it's the way it is right now but definitely towards the end it was a clown show um, even Ryan Blaney who in my opinion is one of the most consistent and cleanest drivers in NASCAR right now even he was like yeah it, it was just it was it was totally ridiculous I mean he had said um, earlier in the week and stuff he was like yeah it's ridiculous um you know he tried he 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 at one point was inside the uh the top five and then all of a sudden on that last restart he just gets punted and i even think he punted daniel suarez too i think the cameras had missed that one from afterwards too. yeah 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 mm -hmm. after the race i mean it just shows like if ryan blaney's getting frust that frustrated then yeah i can't imagine how the rest of the field was but i mean yes it was entertaining i get all that but again wrecking does not equal good racing that's not even racing at all it's just destroying stuff so well blaney doesn't have to look any further than his own teammate joey logano yeah logano is the that was the that. icing on the yeah. case that was, that, yeah. icing on the cake yeah no <laughs> the race was pretty good turn one was a trouble spot during longer runs just because it was the you know highest speed portion of the track going into a really hard and tight braking zone so um I, I didn't mind seeing a lot of the spins obviously the break failure question mark that happened to kyle larson that was you know an extreme example where it was very scary very uh you know huge crash but the rest of the time guys overshooting it overcooking it spinning out going off course to me that that's decent racing that tells you that the drivers have to work hard in the car and that they're not just riding around that they are trying to get a lot uh, you know some of that's the next gen car being a little finicky and with the better brakes it's a very you know you can break a lot later and that tempts drivers to push it longer and longer and longer until you know they they blow the corner so some of it's the next gen car but to me some of that is fun to watch that's good racing but I, I agree with you Darian on the end of the race the final you know 30 minutes the final two three restarts however many there were um yeah just absolutely no it, it was it was comical now I've seen a comical finish to an Indianapolis race on the oval before as well mm -hmm. go back to I think 2017 mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken maybe it was 16 17 uh so regardless of configuration indianapolis has been prone to these just nonsensical moments but i agree this is two years now of the indy road course where we've seen something clownery occur last year was the track's fault with the curb this year you know you can blame the tracks layout and everything but i would blame the drivers for just you know no rules i mean joey logano drove through like four rows of cars made it five wide punted a bunch of guys out into the grass mm -hmm and got rewarded with a sixth place finish or with a fifth no sixth place finish like he was the catalyst that started all that chaos well, there the was a there. there was a lot but his was the most glaring where you just have to say you know if there is a line he may have crossed it he's the one that for sure made you just everyone scratching their head so uh if the argument is should we go back to the road course or the oval that's a, there, there's more to it than just the clownery of racing i think but um certainly the finish not nascar or indianapolis's shining most shining moment 
Well, and I think Denny uh, Hamlin had said on Door Bumper Clear that, like, they didn't talk about it on the broadcast, but Austin Sindrick was about as egregious mm-hmm. back there as mm-hmm. as Joey Logano was. He just didn't get caught taking it, like, seven wide <laughs> into a three-wide, you know. In a bright whip. yellow car. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was – it definitely – in my opinion, stems from, again, lack of driver etiquette. I think you have a lot of younger drivers out there, uh, and you have a lot of drivers that are definitely more desperate out there. Now, there's there's two kind of, like, rules of thought that people are using right now uh, to try and find a solution for this. And I want to ask you guys this. I'm going to ask the chat. I'll probably ask him a little poll here. Um, but, Darren, I'll start with you. Should it be a slight change to the track where they go in at the next road or uh, turn where I believe is the motorcycle course or the other one that a lot of people have brought up single file restarts single file. I mean like (sighs) single file restart. I mean like, I feel like you're still going to get a bunch of chaos no matter what though. I feel like the only way to fix this is by, you know, taking out that one sharp, um, that one sharp corner. And then yeah, adding the, uh, the other one that you uh, just talked about. I'm just shocked that Watkins Glen has a very similar corner first turn and we don't seem to see, we've seen chaos there. Don't get me wrong. That's been often been a trouble spot on restarts, but it doesn't seem to be as consistent. I've never seen it as bad as Indianapolis looked this past weekend. So yeah, I heard Denny Hamlin. I think he, you know, he brought up single file restarts. I think it was him on one of the podcasts he was on this week. He's been on a bunch. He's making the media rounds every week. It feels he's like the most Mm -hmm. talkative guy in the garage, but, uh, yeah, they did it at Coda last year during the rain, and it cleaned that race up a little bit. Maybe. For the I don't know. Courses. I, I feel I like, like no matter what, you're still going to find problems just with this type of configuration, too. I mean, like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I mean, single file might clean some of that up, but, I mean, you you know, coming down towards those final laps, I feel like you're still going to see even more dive bombs now because they're all single files. So everyone's just going to so, dive all the way to the bottom. I'll play. Oh, actually, sorry. One good point here from Charles yeah. Pearson. Watkins Glen's first turn is downhill as opposed to mm-hmm. Indy, which is flat. Mm-hmm. That does probably make a yeah. difference. Good point. I'll play devil's advocate for single file, even though I, I am more inclined to change the course. Um, I recorded that restart uh, on the front stretch at Coda last year when they went single file. And so actually when everyone was bringing it up at first, I was like, oh, maybe it's an idea, but it, I don't know, people might not go for it. And I went back and looked. Yeah, they got two wide and some got three wide towards the back when it sort of bottled up, but none of them were getting four or five or six wide. So, I mean, that could be an option, I guess. And granted, that is a, a sharp turn that goes uphill. Uh, so it's probably a lot of differences with that overall. But it is something to, to think about, though. If they do get out of hand, should it be like X amount of, I don't, I don't know how you would constitute it, but just basically like, like follow me with this, like X amount of stupid restarts, <laughs> screw it, y'all are going single file. After like three or five, basically. Well, it's like, like if no, you can't get, it. It, like we were, like they were celebrating, and I remember like on Twitter, everyone's celebrating too. Everyone's celebrating, oh my God, we got through turn one. Or, like, or you can be like some of these local short tracks where like if you mess up a bunch of restarts, they just cancel the race. They're like, all right, we're not racing anymore. That's uh, it. No, don't do that. Okay, I don't think they'll do that. No, but it's no, like, no, they won't do that, but yeah. I mean, maybe what you do is you put a tire barrier that gives you a physical barrier into that turn so that bottleneck it's like you have to get in line maybe i don't know they'll find a but... way to take everything out they'll, they'll clean the whole track up joey there. logano will find a way to I just, I, I, yeah <laughs> but what it what at the end of the day what i think 
it get, was the root cause for, though, was Ross Chastain cutting the course, in a way, breaking rules, and Why ending the quotes? Up... Why the air quotes because with our listeners? Like, because I would say it, it didn't seem like there was really any clear-cut rule on it, and NASCAR yep. just had to make shit up as they went. See, I think that's exactly what happened. I can't problem. say. I think they made the right call, or at least close yeah. to the right call. I didn't want to see Chastain rewarded for that move, <laughs> but there. No, like you said, Jared, there is not a rule. Expl- I don't care what the people in my comments say. There was no rule coming into the weekend that explicitly said you cannot take the access road the way Chastain did. Yeah, I mean, my thing is, is that maybe that's the reason why NASCAR took so long to make a call because maybe they were looking in the rule book or something like, hey, is this there or whatever? But like. Imagine if Ross Chastain did that, then proceeded to take out Tyler Reddick oh, um, during the final lap. Yeah, that would have been a horrible call because then basically they would have taken the win from Chastain anyways Cooking. because he did. Yeah, taken basically. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been living down south for a little while, you can tell. <laughs> but yeah, no, they would have taken the win basically. And if he would have taken out Tyler Reddick, that would have caused a whole other storm because it's like, well, why didn't you give him the penalty sooner? You know, because I yeah. feel like because um, uh, with uh, with um, with last year's race um, with uh, Chase Briscoe, did they give him the penalty automatically or did it take like a lap or two? It to took it, it took almost a lap, I think, okay. or or they might have come up with it sooner and it took a while to get to the driver's ear. There I don't was know. A it just down there. It, felt, it felt like it took forever, though, yeah, for them him, to just to get while, yeah. the penalty. Well, but then. Oh, in, the sh- in the chat here, oh. Peter, a uh, friend of the show, Peter Shreddy, says there was actually a rule. It's just NASCAR made the call well, too late. And they so, didn't, uh, it sounds like they didn't communicate it. Well, no, the did. rule was if you shortcut turn one, turn eight, turn 12, what, one of the turns, you have to do a stop and go in turn 12. But they don't define explicitly what does shortcutting mean. To me, that's you go below the apron or you do you cut the corner like Mario Kart style. <laughs> Ross Chastain technically went the long way around. He gained an advantage but I don't think NASCAR really planned for that. I don't think that's what the shortcutting rule is explicitly referring to. There's a reason Austin Dillon took that route numerous times during the Xfinity race and didn't get penalized for it. (laughs) But here's where the inconsistency comes in because you also had like Dillon who had gotten a penalty too, but then also Bubba Wallace did not get a penalty for cutting the course a tad there. But I mean, they did say he didn't gain and he didn't gain any sort of advantage, but I mean, Still, I mean, you could even well, make the case for Chastain. I, 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 see, I see this right here from Urban Alvarado. What is a shortcut? Is like, what is a catch in football? <laughs> That's a good comparison. Hey, yeah, yeah, it's it all is. what your definition is. Not the, it, the point is, it wasn't explicit, which is why drivers, as Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano this week said, admitted, like drivers were talking about, you know, should we just take the access road? They haven't been penalizing anyone. There's nothing explicitly written out that says you can't. But the so one, I, the that's one... where it became awkward. The one thing I didn't like uh, during the post-race stuff, though, is that I-, I feel like at this point, NBC has some kind of, like, vendetta against Ross Chastain. Because the way, um, who was it? Was it Dave Burns? The way he was asking those <laughs> questions towards the end made it, I-, I don't know, I was like, does he have a problem with Chastain? And then Chastain's just response was like, no, no, Dave. You know what I mean? Like, you can tell <laughs> like, what no was going Dave. on there. <laughs> Chastain... He always kind of looks like a deer in the headlights, but he was just, he was <laughs> yeah. fed up. He was like a like a moose in the headlights who's he not was, moving for anything. He He's just staring you down. Yeah, he was done with that. But I mean, like, what was going on with that? I mean, does NBC, like, do they have something against Chastain now? I, I thought it was, I, to be fair, I thought it was a fair question. He poked a little hard at it, for sure. Like, he kept, a kept asking. Uh, but the, the initial question, which Ross didn't seem to take too well, I, I didn't think was entirely foul, because, Grant, nobody 
seemed to entirely know how the rule was written and how it was going to be enforced. So on TV, it did look like Chastain. I tweeted in real time. Yeah, Chastain just like just you know with a big brain maneuver right there to try and get one over on the field. Like I, I, I don't think it was a, a bad initial question. So Peter uh, said in the chat that uh, Chastain did find a gray area in the rule and exploited it, but NASCAR mm-hmm. had the judgment call power with it and gave him the thirty second penalty. Um, and it was ex- it, he said it was explained in the meeting video. I'm assuming like the drivers meeting. But it definitely was explained that they can, you know, NASCAR can assign a 30 second penalty at the end of the race. It's just, you know, it's just frustrating that it's not, it was never explicitly written out that you can't use the access road, you know, because he wasn't avoiding a wreck, but he was avoiding a really bad situation. He was going to be forced off into the grass. So it's like, he was avoiding a bunch of the line where it is, it's a super gray area that wasn't explicitly written out. And as I think Logano and a few other drivers point out this week, you know, for next year, stop and go. If you go through the access road, you also have to come to a stop. That would fix it all. And I, it's just annoying. Hindsight's obviously twenty twenty, but this feels like something where the for, there should have been some foresight when they saw the way the access road was laid out. They should have, this should have been an easy call to make before the weekend started, and they didn't. So that, that's why I think they, NASCAR deserves a little bit of criticism. But again, I think we can all agree we're glad Chastain didn't win the race or wreck Tyler Reddick because of that move. That would have felt like a cheap shot, you know, I, I, in my opinion. I, I gotta say though, if like Harrison Burton had ended up getting the win because Cindric was right there behind both yeah. of them when, mm-hmm. when they were battling. If like those three all took each other out and like Harrison Burton or Bubba got a win from that, I'm sorry. Or that, Todd Gillen. Don't forget about him too. I, mm. I was pretty good this yeah. weekend. Yeah. He actually was up there because of speed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Gilliland and, and McDowell's supremacy up there. It was not a fluke. It was not a fluke that McDowell was, was up there. He. I was thinking of you all weekend, Jared. No. Thank you. I appreciate also, it. Also, fun fact, uh, this is the first time since Talladega 2013 that two of the front row cars get a top 10. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, interesting. Good, good pull. Now, yeah. some, someone who wasn't in the top 10 this week was Kevin Harvick. Uh, <laughs> he got, he, he uh, wanted to take out a good part of the field. Oh, like a half a dozen cars. Yeah, he was, he he was does, performing yeah. a list. He got he uh, technically did get Alex Bowman some payback technically, but then he, uh, he also but wrecked too. From what it sounded like, Bowman really wasn't responsible for anything that happened. So Bowman oh, really? got like he, like he got into him, but he was it was like you know a line of people pushing one into uh... the other, and it was like Newton's cradle. Like one hit the end, and then the one at the very mm-hmm. end got the worst. So he hit him. He hit him, but he he really didn't hit him. I, I know. What yeah. You're <laughs> it, it was like the energy just sort of moved yeah. to Harvick. Um, but spiritual no. energy. <laughs> Bad spiritual energy. <laughs> Angry spiritual energy. The devil's energy. But I, I'd, I'd say it's safe to assume Kevin Harvick's in a must-win scenario this week, mm-hmm. which, to be fair, with a little more horsepower going to Michigan might not actually be the worst possible track to go to this week for Kevin Harvick. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. But I think chance. I think of any energy getting moved from one to the other that's caused the biggest amount of questioning this week is that of uh, Kyle Larson just absolutely taking out Ty Dillon this week. Oh, but no, but no, but guys, guys, it was a driver error, error not a brake failure. Yeah, right. so the, Bob Hawkers reported from, you know, he reached out to Hendrick Motorsports and they told him that they found no indication of any sort of mechanical failure or brake failure uh, and that, that doesn't necessarily uh, mean there wasn't some sort of glitch a lot of people have speculated that you know the brake fluid overheated uh and that's what temporarily caused larson to have a, a soft brake pedal and that's probably what caused the incident but 
you, know, you guys can talk about it. there's a lot of I, I was are you reading, are you really buying that though Come i was on. reading twitter i was reading reddit i was down all sorts of rabbit holes and there are a ton of there were comments on my video yesterday that weren't even it wasn't even about this topic people were talking about oh hendrick's hiding something because you see larson didn't talk to tv larson you know they um you know they, why would they even say that there's no break for why would they even consider that it was a larson error and so like why why are they being so weird about this and i don't i don't know what to make of it i'm I'm glad the drivers are okay because that was yeah, a wild hit. First and foremost, of course, we're always glad to see all the drivers um, okay after each race. But I mean, I, I don't know. Like for for a guy that many fans in the states consider to be the greatest driver um, in racing in out here um, uh, in the states right now, for him to make that big of a corner um, um, me- um, mishap, I mean. I I I just don't buy it, man. I just don't. I mean, like, well, I, I, oh, go ahead. They talked about or like over over the radio that the brakes were having issues. Not necessarily yeah. that he completely lost them, but like, I think like one of the theories going around is like the brake fluid boiled or something, and yeah. just yeah, I I read that too. I read that too. Yeah, it's so, just I don't know. Just with all the stuff that's been going on with the next gen cars recently, you know, the Kurt Busch situation. We'll yeah. discuss it's that later been, on. There've the been show. so it's many been... penalties lately as well that it's. Mm-hmm. It, it, I don't know if you guys saw this. I talked about it in my video. Brad Keselowski went on record saying NASCAR mm-hmm. should be handing out a ton more penalties right now. That so th- I that think tells is you there's like. It. Yeah, that tells you that maybe there's, you know, everyone knows that some teams are getting away with stuff and others aren't happy about it. So that's, I think that's all fueling the speculation. We don't know. We'll probably never find out for sure. But yeah, again, at least you know, both drivers seem to be okay. <laughs> it, it is interesting looking at all the theories, though. Like, yeah, yeah. Some, some of them, it, it like the way that, from what it sounded like from people at the track, the way Larson's like, nope, I'm talking to my team and getting the hell out of Dodge. Like, that, I mean that is that, that is that is that is very suspicious. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then also too again, I mean the way the accident happened too. Larson freaking sent it in that corner too. That was a freaking like that was like a freaking eye racing. That's maneuver. a Leroy That's Jenkins moment. Yeah, basically freaking Leroy Jameson. That's Jameson's like when you first boot quarter. up NASCAR Thunder for the first time and just try to wreck the field as as best you can. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was like I was like looking at that. I'm like oh my goodness. Like I, I don't know my. The first indication was like, okay, that was an obvious brake failure. But then they come out with all this stuff like, oh, well, you know, we didn't find anything and all this. I'm like, mm, like something, like something happened, bro. Like something, something I love, happened. Like, I love Denny Delivers when gap car. <laughs> <laughs> like I also saw some people saying like, oh, Larson just blacked out during the ride. I'm like, he did not black out, bro. Yeah, insane. yeah, that like, was no something way. I saw people. No with. I'm like, whoa, uh-huh. where's now? There's where's the evidence for that one? That's... I'm like, because if, it, if that is true, then Larson obviously needs to go see a doctor and something get checked out because that's dangerous. But I mean, obviously that that's not what happened here. I don't think I don't, that's. I, I don't think so. Ah, uh, you'll win ten races. Everyone thinks you're an infallible god after that. <laughs> um, he was flying, but kind of like Four Skyline says, flying like a tent. Uh, that was that <laughs> oh, was that crazy. Was, that was yeah, awesome. That was crazy. I've never seen that before. I've never seen that. We before. we found the long lost cousin of uh, of the Chicagoland Orange. Yeah, the so, Indy Road Course tent. So well, going into the weekend, the big kind of argument back and forth. Like, there's always an argument of the week on NASCAR social media. And the big argument going into it is we need to go back to the Oval. The road, we cannot go to the road course anymore. And I admit I fueled it a little bit. Granted, I always had data-driven rage fuel with it. Um, But now, heading out of Indy, we'll get to the TV ratings in a moment. Uh, We've seen the reception that the fans have had, for the most part, and the drivers. Eric, I'll start with you. Uh, Should we go back to the Oval, stay with the road course, back and forth? I don't have a... 
I don't have a strong opinion on this because uh, while I would love to see the next gen cars take on the oval and the oval to me is more prestigious uh, attendance has been about the same for between oval and road course ratings as we'll talk about actually were pretty good this year for the road course and I love the fact that we're able to tag team this weekend with IndyCar. I love that kind of NBC really embraced having both series on the same circuit, on the same track in the same weekend. They really, you know, bringing James Hinchcliffe into the NASCAR broadcast, Dale Jr. Into the IndyCar broadcast. Like, I, I thought that marriage was really, really cool. So I'd hate to just bail on this. But again, like I said, Oval's more prestigious. I'm really curious to see the next gen race here. So I know Roger Penske said next year will probably be on the road course again. But after that, maybe the Oval. He suggested even alternating, and kind of like you said, Jared, I think that might be my option. Maybe do it every other year, like oval road course, oval road course, and on the road course years, double it up with IndyCar. I think that's mm-hmm. that's a can't miss opportunity. I was just about to say that too. I mean, why not rotate? I mean, the TV ratings for the for the uh, the road course and the oval, they're not really there's there's um there's not really too much of a um of a uh, a major difference too and then also attendance wise too not too much of a major difference neither and also you know i feel like keeping you know the whole double header between indycar and nascar is very important and i i um i um especially love that too um but i don't know i feel like rotating is probably the best course option or I mean, like, this is a total dream scenario. Just move to IRP, but that'll never happen. That'll never happen. But no, no, no. Well, but no. Trucks were cool all, there. That was yeah, cool. In all, serious, in, in all seriousness, though, just rotate it, uh, rotate it each and every year. So I'll admit, and again, we'll talk about the ratings in a bit. Before ratings uh, came out, I was pretty much T-Mobile just because the data supported it. Uh, but this year, and of course, I'm not going to say it straight up till we get to it, but it, you know, it went up considerably. Um so I'm actually curious to see it rotate. One, because it would be cool to give a bit of a challenge each year and a difference to it. You, you know, you'd probably, you'd honestly probably get attendance up more doing that. And you could see which one at the end of the day would bring in more fans and eyes watching on TV. Uh, so so I, I've definitely shifted to that one. Plus, it would add every single year like a different flair of schedule diversity. Um and that's something that I think NASCAR can never get enough of. And so, you know, I'm looking at the poll that I put up in the chat, and it's pretty even for two of them. 43% are saying to rotate it every year, and oval for 40% of it, and then 9% each for road course and IRP, which is way different than what I actually got when I, I uh, was streaming on Sunday. I had a, most people said oval or IRP. And then every other year, like nobody Got wanted it. the road course at all. Guys, I like tank slappers option. Swap between them at the halfway point of the race. That would that's be crazy. That's what the uh, Russian uh, F1 driver basically did this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just sat in his car for like eight laps. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that sucks, man. That does, man. Uh, but I'm going to end the say poll. Russian F1 because I can't say his last name. I don't Daniel know. Daniel Kvyat. Kvyat, I don't know. Kvyat. Uh, all right, I'm going to end the poll here because we got over 200 votes, and it's it's looking like rotating it back and forth. So I know a lot of people had said maybe even try and do it where uh, you have, like, the cup on the road course on Saturday and then do uh, the Sunday on, on the Oval. I, I, I was thinking, what well, this will never happen. But this is just, like, a whole 
full-on crackhead energy dream that I would love to have. Do you like the Indianapolis Triple Crown where Saturday's the road course, Sunday's the Brickyard 400, and IRP Monday night primetime NASCAR? Like, it's that nuts. is crack, it, it won't that happen. Is crackhead energy for sure. But hey, it's bold and innovative. <laughs> I don't hate it. I, I, yeah, I, don't, hate it I don't know if it's logistically feasible, but it's I like probably not. I like the pie in the sky. I like that. See, I was told, see, somebody told me the only way the uh, the Cup Series can ever um, can ever end up at uh, at 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 IRP is if uh, Indianapolis is uh, taken off the schedule entirely. I'm like, uh. Well, they'd have uh, to have major upgrades. Yeah, and major upgrades, too. That's just, like, one of the many things they would have to do to get on the schedule. But, hey, at least I'm glad IRP's back on the schedule, at least, in some capacity. So, that's good. And then kind of ending off talking about the race here, uh, we had three rookies in the top five this week. Like, all three major rookies. All Fords, too. All Fords, by the way. All Fords. Mm -hmm. Uh... I'm not going to take too much stock in it just because, you know, they were put into the tornado and came out unscathed for the most part. But it is pretty cool to see that basically everyone uh, behind Tyler Reddick was either a rookie or, like Bubba's case, someone who really isn't that good at road courses and ended up having a really good finish out of it. Yeah, they just kind of walked into a top five there, too. I mean, hey, it's a top five. Take it however you can get it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean... Harrison Burton in third place? Like, who would have thought Harrison Burton would have gotten a top five before the end of the season? I mean, so now he has, what, one top five, two top tens, too. So makes the stats look better. And then Todd Gillen, of course, and Bubba Wallace, amazing run in the top Todd five. Gillen, I believe, qualified, like, ninth, if I yeah, remember correctly. Yeah, so, he was, so he was fast from the get-go. Yeah, he hung around the top ten all day long. Like, Burton, I don't remember exactly where Burton ran, although I think he was top 15 for much of the race as well. But Gillen truly, I think, earned a top five, or at least a yes. top ten. That, I don't, I'm not going to call his a fluke, even though, you know, obviously under the race it was all kind of a fluke. <laughs> but, yeah. no, yeah, really cool. Really cool to see some new names up there. Now, going to the playoff cut line – uh, I don't feel like talking about 16th and 17th is really all that interesting at this point. It's it's pretty much decided unless Martin Truex Jr. gives up what? Uh, where's, where's my Larry Mack? 25 points? 25 points. He's right? like 80 no. points ahead of Or 80 hard. points? I, think okay. it, I thought it was 95 was the number. Might be. It so, might even be 95. So if he gives up 24, 25 points per race, okay, we can have a conversation about it. But I think the more interesting conversation here is between 15th and 16th, Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr. Because this one's only 25 points difference, which means if Truex wins two stages this week at Michigan, the last half of the race at Michigan, they're actually only five points apart if Blaney doesn't run well, which is honestly very possible the way that the next-gen car is. Uh, so, Darian, starting off with you, if, if you're going to have to pick between the two of them, let's say we get one more new winner in the next four races, who makes it? Ryan Blaney or Martin Truex Jr.? I don't know. I feel like for some reason, I don't know, Ryan Blaney, yes, he is extremely consistent, but there is something that always happens to him that is always out, that is, you know, always not his fault, whether it's some sort of mechanical failure or, you know, some driver just driving in over his head, <clears throat> his teammate. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I feel like Ryan Blaney, like, he, he still needs a win. I mean, obviously, Truex needs a win still. They both do, but. I don't know, like, if I'm going to pick, you know, one guy, you know, making it and one guy missing it, I'm going to go with Martin Truex Jr. to be that guy. Again, the only way that this scenario could even happen is if we get a new winner, you know, below the cut line, which, I mean, we have Daytona as the regular season finale. We have, you know, the road course. And, hell, even this weekend, 
could you know could spell some opportunities for uh, some of the guys below the cut line. Yeah, so I'll disagree. It's tough. I think Blaney because he's got that twenty five point cushion. I'll lean towards Blaney being the safest of the two, but because you look at what's coming up, Daytona. Yeah, it's a wild card, but somehow Blaney always seems to find himself up front late in those races. Michigan this weekend, he won here last year. Completely different rules package, completely different car. I get it, but I feel good about Blaney's chances. He's a solid road course racer, so yeah, I think he's going to be good. But Martin Truex Jr., historically, he's been fantastic at Sonoma. Sucked at Sonoma this summer. Historically, he's fantastic at Martinsville. Sucked at Martinsville this spring. So we look at what's coming up. Richmond, he was great at Richmond in the spring. Maybe he can back that up. Uh, Watkins Glen, historically great, but I just rattled off a couple races. He's usually great at. He was not this year. So I just don't know if I trust Martin Truex Jr. He's got some good tracks coming up for him, but he has struggled at tracks he's historically great at. And Toyota across the board has struggled at road courses this year. So I just, I don't think I can trust him. And at least Blaney, yeah, it was the all-star race, but he has proven this year he can get to victory lane in some form or fashion. So I think Blaney, to me, is the safer of the two. But it's, yeah, that 25-point gap between them for the you know second spot in, like that's a, a kind of a low-key understated battle that actually I, I think will matter because I do think we'll get another winner from below the cut line. I think Bubba, Jones, Austin, Dillon, you name it, someone's going to win a race before the playoffs begin. I, I wanted to ask all of you guys this too. Um, out of all the drivers below the playoff cut line, who do you feel has the most momentum right now? Most momentum? Yeah. Bubba. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got three I mean, straight top ten. I think there's tens. only one. There's only one right answer right now. It's Bubba Wallace. Yeah, that's my. Eric point. Jones just signed a contract extension. I don't know. Maybe I mean, like that's for that's for the future though. That's for yeah, the but that's got to be a little more st- stable. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my dark horse spoiler alert for this weekend. So I'm gonna really quick. I'm gonna pull up um, on my end uh, the racing reference uh, season so far. For both uh, Truex and Bellini. Wow, because... the way the way the way racing reference is going these days, I'm still surprised they even have the points up. You know. <laughs> well, I, I'm just looking at finishes here. Good. So, so going into the summer, like Blaney was pretty hot. Fourth at Gateway, sixth at Sonoma, third at Nashville, eleventh at Road America, fifth at Atlanta. The last three weeks, he's been 18th, 33rd, 26th. Uh, Where's look, Truex been? Truex here. Uh, in the same races, 6th at Gateway, 26th at Sonoma, 22nd at Nashville. Though he ran very well, poor strategy yeah. call at the end, but still did not finish well. 13th at Road America, 11th at Atlanta, last three weeks here. 4th at Loudoun, led the most laps. 7th at Pocono, and of course 21st in the Indianapolis. Race. Can't trust him at the road courses. That used to be his bread and butter. It was we, only have, we, only have, we only have one more road course, though. That's the I, thing. I, I know. Now, I know but it's that or Richmond for Truex, in my opinion. He's got to well, win one of those. Well, looking back at Richmond, Blaney usually sucks at Richmond. He led 128 laps in order to a seventh-place finish. Truex led 80 laps to a fourth. They were the two best cars that day. And I think Blaney got the pole, too, for that race, if I'm yes. not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Road course-wise, I'll go through all of Truex's finishes at road courses seventh at coda uh then go down wow there's a lot of room between the uh the road courses good lord uh 26th at sonoma uh 13th at road america 21st at at indianapolis one top 10 at a road course this year Mm. where's my martin truex jr what (laughs) uh let's look at ryan blaney sixth at coda sixth at sonoma 
11th at Road America, 26th at Indianapolis. But he was third on the final restart. He Indy was. doesn't count. <laughs> I mean, Ryan Blaney has the, the speed, it looks like, in comparison to Martin Truex Jr. at the road courses. Uh, let's Super speedways. I know we can't really take too much stock in this. Daytona for the 500. Blaney led 36 laps and finished fourth. He almost won. Truex, <laughs> Truex won both stages and finished 13th. Uh, are we gonna count Atlanta or is, should we just go to Talladega? I mean, just just, just say Talladega. Yeah. Let's go to Talladega. Then Talladega, Truex finishes fifth. Doesn't lead any laps though. Blaney finishes eleventh after leading twenty three laps. So, See, I'll take Blaney there. I, Truex, that's what I mean. Truex usually sucks at super speedways. What did you just say? A couple top five, top tens. Mm-hmm. Road courses, only one top ten. Like it's just been backwards this year for Truex, which yeah. is why I just don't trust him. I just don't trust so, him. So let's look at the comparison to Michigan this week. Fontana. Truex finishes thirteenth. Blaney finishes eighteenth. Oh, what happened to Blaney in that race? I, feel I like think he it was like the competitive. La- I think it was the last lap he was running like eleventh or tenth in front of Cindric, and that's when he like got spun out or it might not have mm-hmm. been him, but I thought I thought he was running up front and something happened to him. I it's feel like so yeah, long. I felt like he ran up front a little bit in that race. Well, We'll see. We'll see. So last but not least, I'll go back really quick, and I want to see what the chat thought about it. I I asked them who makes it to the playoffs, Blaney, Truex, neither, or both. 52% say Blaney, 22% say both, 16 Truex, 11% say neither of them make it. We have ultimate chaos. Ooh. Now, if if they both miss it, yes, that would be crazy. I mean – it's gonna be pretty. It's gonna be pretty even. I'm gonna end the poll there. We got 200 votes on that one. Thank you guys, by the way. Um, it, it's gonna be pretty even, I think, going towards the playoffs. But I, you got to give the edge to the one who has the edge right now. Yes, I know that two stages could be made up, but at the same time, it's hard to win stages. Like Ryan Blaney is about a half race's worth of points ahead of Martin Truex Jr. Now it's very. You know, let me get my calcul. I don't. I don't need to. He could give up six to seven points a race. That's actually pretty feasible. Um, but I, I'm gonna give the edge to Blaney right now. But if Blaney has a bad week at Michigan or has something bad happen like he has at most intermediates this year, then, I mean, Truex could have the edge going into one of his best tracks that he did run well at. <laughs> yeah, again, Richmond's this- the one circled for yeah. But again, like Eric said earlier, this year has just been so weird for him, too. Because, I mean, good on the super speedways, but he's been terrible on the road courses. So, yeah, I don't know. We we might not know what type of Truex Jr. we're uh, getting in these final few races. But I feel like his best option to win would be Richmond, yeah. I think. Like, I, yeah, what race Richmond. are we forget? Well, how many? There's four races, yeah, right? Michigan, the Michigan, Richmond, Watkins, Glen, Daytona. Yeah. Just yeah. making sure somebody's in my head. I was like, "There's five, right? What's the fifth one?" No, it's just four. Four. Indianapolis. Yeah, it was five. It was five last week, Eric. Run it, it back. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of going and running it back to Indianapolis, let's look at the ratings for this week. Uh, we alluded to it earlier. They were actually really good uh, for comparison to last year. Uh, a 2.05 rating with just under 3.4 million viewers. That's up. T- uh, 19% in viewership from last year, up 14% in ratings from last year. Now, some other things to note here. Uh, Xfinity had 1.5 million viewers, meaning they actually outperformed Formula 1 this week. Uh, 640,000 were in the key demo for the cup race, so just about 
20%. Uh, and this is the fourth straight cup race with an increase in ratings. USA uh, NBC effect. Yeah, the take USA, notes FS1. Take the notes USA Fox. effect. The USA effect. I mean, in my opinion. The last four races every week has went up between 200,000 and 600,000 viewers from the year before's race, which is some of the biggest increases that we've actually seen since 2018 from year to year of a race. Uh, so it, it's really interesting to see. Uh, comparing it to the last couple of years, you know, I'd said that it was up from last year. Um, I don't think we really can compare too much the Brickyard that had like 4 million because that was early in, in the uh, pandemic no one was allowed at the race fourth mm -hmm. of july weekend when nobody could go uh, could go out uh comparing it to 2019 the brickyard had 2.9 million for the last brickyard 400 with fans at it was that one delayed at all no it was but this is the caveat it was head-to-head -head with the opening day of the nfl that year oh yeah which mm -hmm. is usually when nascar ratings go down about 25 to 30 percent those first couple weeks um so that that would be and then it was delayed in in 2018 to the next day on monday mm -hmm. that's what i was thinking of i remember watching that race in class and just being bored i was like yeah <laughs> it's the indie oval anything like, beats arithmetic <laughs> but i mean four straight races with an increase last year i think the record was six uh straight races that there were well, let's go get them yeah let's get that I mean, record you know, looking at the way it is right now, ratings right now are on track to be about where they were in 2019, which since 2018 was the highest viewed season. Uh, and that trend is like, you know, trending up. It could be the most watched season since before uh, 2018. So before Dale, the Dale Jr. effect was put in mm -hmm. place. So it, it might be that USA NBC effect. Yeah, it didn't work too well with a rain delay at Nashville and Road America being on the fourth, but... Since but even that, with that, yeah, I mean, even with that, we've been on, it's been on the up and up. Well, put it like this, Michigan uh, is actually a very highly viewed uh, race at this time of year. I love, I have my, like, my little packet here. I just, like, keep everything uh, in check. Um, last year's Michigan race had two and a half million viewers, which was higher than the two races in 2020, and I think was the highest since 2019 uh if they have the same kind of increase this year yeah so 2019 is about 2.8 2.9 million i mean if they have the same kind of increases that we've seen at some of the tracks this year it's not out of the question that a cable nascar race could eclipse the 3 million mark this week which not even fox has done this year so I mean, there's a lot of factors that you know that go into this too, to um, that go into this ratings increase. I mean, obviously the USA effect, of course, you know, getting on a much bigger uh, channel compared to uh, NBC Sports Network or you know what was NBC Sports Network. I mean, that's a positive. But then also just the racing being pretty good for the most part um, all year, no matter where they race. But then also the most important thing, in my opinion. A broadcast that actually takes the sport seriously again fox and i think that's where fox messed up now don't get me wrong i mean fox they did have some ratings increases this year when you know nascar was on um, fox and, and fs1 you know but i mean again I, I i think you know nbc and usa taking the sport serious and stuff just you know their overall presentation it um, it's another big factor into why you know the ratings have had increased as much as they had in the past four weeks well, going from one rating to another, Darian, 
What uh? Oh, what, yes. What, what do we got coming up here? Oh yes, that's right. The pole, the famous iceberg pole. <laughs> I kind of like this right here. I can like barely hear you guys, but it doesn't hurt my ears. <laughs> I didn't even do the, it that loud. Though. Eric enjoys the podcast when he doesn't have to hear us. Yeah. <laughs> let's just let's like lower it a little bit. I, should, I guess I have a knob right here for that very reason. I should probably just use that. <laughs> well, I asked you guys on Sunday, what did you think of the 2022 Verizon 200 at the Brickyard? 30% of you said that it was a great race uh, out of 13.8K. Uh, 38% of you said it was a good race, 18% said average, 7 below average, and 7 bad. So a 68% net positivity to 14% net negativity. Uh, and looking at the comments, the first comment was from Spencer5478. Uh, uh, so is this negative, positive, or meme? Meme. Meme. <laughs> All right. Kyle Larson heading to turn one. Leroy mm -hmm. Jenkins. Fist bump, Darian. We nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and then he 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 continues on. What a chaotic race. Lots of spins to go all spins out in turn one while commenting, thus ending my comment early. <laughs> Even that was a meme. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was pretty. Good I'll admit when I was reading it at first, I'm like, wait, what? Oh, that's another meme. <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, a, look at that's, that. a, that's a, it's very funny. Very funny, Mock. Uh, so looking at some of the comments here, number one comment on my screen is from Irex Rampage said that was a wild race. Uh, sure. It was a wreck fest, but it was super entertaining. And this was a race. You truly didn't know what would happen next. Mm -hmm. I gotta agree with that. It was entertaining to a point. Again, it's just when you, when you start wrecking too much, then it's like, eh, like you start to lose me a tad, but I mean, it was entertaining for the most part. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the sentiment that Twisted underscore Nipples82 had. Uh, I voted bad race. A lot of that feeling comes from turn one. We're supposed to be the top stock car racing series in the world, and we're trying to dive bomb eight wide into that corner. That was embarrassing. On the bright side, though, Bubba made me 600 bucks in Vegas. Wow. Ooh. That must hey. be nice. Hey, I gave those betting odds on the podcast. To, like, hey. to, to be <laughs> fair, had, had Chase Briscoe kept the lead and not been disqualified at the end of the race last year, I would have made, I think, like over a thousand bucks. I'm just not good on the last lap of my bets. Uh, let's see. Tyler Cannon says, decent, crazy race, but I'm glad Larson and Dylan are okay. I agree. Uh, David Jenkins says, awesome, awesome finish. Look at the top five. That's why road courses belong on the schedule. They're the great equalizer. A lot of yeah, people. Some, some are, some are, yeah. Some that are. part's true, but you would have had some of that without the chaos in the final mm -hmm. couple of restarts. It's like having Cindric yeah. up in the top five. You don't see him run top five very often this year, but road courses, you know he's going to be great. So. Well, Cindric has actually had a really quietly good year so far. He's been cons more consistent lately, even at the mm -hmm. Ovals, the last couple months, if I recall. I haven't I, looked at his stats in a bit. but I want to say, let me let me be completely sure, because I had someone like get really mad at me for saying that Cindric was like a mid-tier driver this summer. And like I, I ended up looking back at it, and I was like actually surprised how wrong I was. Um, so I mean, yeah, he's still fifteenth in points. So it, I, you know, overall this year he hasn't been, but good. But he, uh, he got a streak. Yeah, fifth, seventh, seventh, third, thirteenth, and then he uh, had an issue at Pocono, but wow, second this weekend. That's so, pretty solid. That's pretty. That's solid. really good. Like honestly, now that I'm looking at it, that's better than I, even I thought. Hey, <laughs> once the playoffs start, I mean, he might be someone to watch out for. Maybe you know, based on the consistency. Wow. That, 
that genuinely like that genuinely surprised me just how good he actually has been compared to it. Uh, Denny delivers, of course. Got to read one of his comments here. No one, absolutely no one. Ross Chastain uses the access road to take the lead. <laughs> Sneaky. I mean, love him or hate him, Ross Chastain is like worth the price of admission alone these days. Oh yeah, dude, he's he's so entertaining, man. He's so entertaining. But if you have a favorite driver, I can see why you hate him, though. <laughs> if you have a favorite. Oh, my God. Barry Boy Blast. I'm going to write this down so that I remember to uh, to do this later. He says, I put Freebird over the restart and the end of the race, and it was funny as hell, and it fit perfectly with the carnage at the end. <laughs> That's funny. I'm going to write that down right now so that I can put that. I might just post that as a meme if someone else doesn't do that on Twitter tonight. Um... Davis Owen said, the ending stretched a bit more than I'd like. Same stage racing, pitting problems, but it was a very solid race. I don't see it as a main staple for now. I prefer the oval, but it was still a solid 7 to 8 out of 10. So I, I've noticed even like the highly voted comments for the most part have been like relatively evenly split compared to usual. Um, there's a, definitely a polarizing race. And now to get to the most polarizing part of these comments, let's go all the way to the bottom and read the last couple that I can read. Yes, yes, my favorite. With, without being taken off of, uh, without being taken off to, of uh, YouTube for reading some of them. Oh, this is gonna be great! I, I guarantee somebody's gonna take one of these clips out of context just to mess with me. Let's do um, it. At the fifth lowest voted one is Tsunami Anakin. The bad are just salty chase fans. Oof. To be fair, I was a bit of a salty chase fan because I picked him to win last week, and he looked yeah. he looked quicker than Elliot towards the end. Uh, Danny Moore, it sucks. Gavin Adcock, I didn't get to watch. Downvote. Uh, <laughs> burritos, WTF, and the lowest one was from Ben Scoville, who said simply didn't watch. Honestly, those weren't as. You know, oh, they just they yeah. just didn't watch. I guess why? Because they didn't have the channel, or they well, no maybe road courses. Well, damn, it's NBC. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, so why didn't you watch? Bro? It's probably it's probably road course fatigue for a lot okay. of fans. I mean, I have noticed that too. Like, uh, some some fans are a lot more vocal these days about like, oh, we have too many road courses on the schedule as is. I don't know. In my opinion, the schedule is more diverse than it ever has been. So yes. I like it. And I and I can understand though that argument. But thank you guys. For uh, for voting on the poll is we're thank you we're sitting here at around six hundred you know just under six hundred click that like button y'all let's get those likes up there um, going into the lower series honestly the Xfinity race like the biggest really thing to come out of that is the fact that AJ Allmendinger won his ninth win on a road course in the Xfinity series yeah. in twenty two start yeah he's like, straight up wow. dominant straight up dominant Jesus impressive ratio. You also had Josh Berry take out both of the monster cars on the same lap. <laughs> that was crazy. I'm like, what are the odds of that? He, he's avenging the 95% of amp that was taken off the shelves. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, overall, I mean, I don't know. Was the race really that memorable? Mm, eh, kind of not really, but... The cup race was better, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Like, say what you want about it. The cup race, I think, had better racing overall. Uh, but then looking at the truck race, this is the one that mm -hmm. Friday night had, like seemed to be the controversial race of the weekend. Uh, I'll just say right now, the racing was really good with different lanes uh, and not having everyone glued to the bottom. Uh, but where the real controversy starts is towards the finish, where Carson Hosevar's right 
rear hooks on. It's yeah, like... that and 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 also like, the one thing I didn't like about that was, you know, if that were Ross Chastain, then people would be calling for his head. But because it's Carson Hosefar, who's a much more likable driver um, by some. So um, far, yeah. I mean, yeah. so far, it's like I don't know, like. I feel like I was like I don't know I feel like I was like one of the only people to call him out too because I I don't know like there's some hate towards uh towards uh the guy he had wrecked um um Howard he hasn't really been the, the most uh, impressive driver this year but he was running inside the top 10 and yeah I don't know for Josefar to do that in my opinion is a uh, absolutely bush league and it shouldn't be tolerated in any series yeah I know he mm-hmm. and honestly I'm a little shocked there was no penalty uh, after the fact considering they uh Dr. Noah Gregson for right hooking Sage Karam at Road America. Yeah. And I understand, I understand that, oh, the aftermath, that one ended up taking out 10 cars. This one really only took out the one car or the one truck. But I I don't know. I don't believe NASCAR should be judging that way. They shouldn't be judging by the, the, the calamity around it. It should be the action. And the action was exactly the same. Heat of the moment, rage, careless, right hook a guy in the fence. I'll put it like this. I mean, I'll put it like this. I mean, like, look, it is incredibly dangerous to right hook, to to right hook somebody on the front stretch or really anywhere on the track. Because again, where does that driver's side do? um, Where does the driver's side go towards the wall? So, I mean, like it just, it, 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 I don't know. It just, um, it just increases just the chance to get seriously hurt and stuff like that. But like, I don't know, like, um, uh, the thing I was um, I was the most confused with was um, what warranted that move from Josevar. I mean, what did he, Howard getting, like bump him a little bit? I mean, he'd like, been getting he got bumped mad? from what I could see. So like, you're gonna right hook somebody for yeah. just racing you on a short track? I don't kind of like the Gregson thing. Like he was justified being a little frustrated, but not. But you don't right hook somebody. That's exactly. Just, that, that's an overkill. I mean, well, I can understand if he bumped and run him out of the way, but don't right yeah, hook him. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I for me, it's like right hooking somebody like. You know, that that's just a complete no-no in any racing in general. Like, I don't care if it's truck series, cup series, local Saturday night. I don't care if it's, like, you know, nine-year-olds on a go-kart. Like, you don't do that. Hey, look, and also, too, don't forget, we just started the truck series playoffs. Now, I know the first three races in the first and in the first round, they take place in different months, which you can blame NASCAR for the scheduling. But if Howard decides to pay back Josefar during the playoffs, hey, I won't be surprised. Oh, well, hey, you're right, hooked him. So, well, hey. And, then, and at the end of the race, before there was Joey Logano on Sunday, completely knowing he wouldn't make a corner, there was John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, this one made me mad. This one got me heated. Yeah, that, that, that so, got me mad too. You know? I was at Minute Maid Park watching the Houston Astros beat the snot out of the Seattle Mariners yet again. And I was watching this race on my phone, especially the finish. And I saw the host of our bit and I was like, oh, God, let me watch the game. Let me watch the game. Came back just in time to see John Hunter Nemechek clean out. Taylor Gray, Taylor Gray, Taylor Gray, uh, for the lead. And I just, you you think Nemechek's one of the good ones, you know, the trucks are full bunch of 20 year olds who who are driving over their head routinely. You think Nemechek, he's not old, but he's had a year of cup experience. You think he's one of the the more reserved level headed ones. Nope. Mm -hmm. Oh, nope. Not even playoffs are here. Uh, All sense goes out the window. Eric, (laughs) don't Eric, don't forget him and Cole Custer in uh, 2015 at uh, what was it? 2015, 2016. But that he was, he was a kid then I get it. Then the problem, that's what I mean. He's He's still doing it though. He's still doing it. Yeah. He's still doing it. I mean, like, look, if I were Taylor Gray, I had to feel some type of way because I mean, I know one of his crew guys came over to talk to him and stuff, but I mean, Taylor Gray was basically a non-factor that entire race, had the right strategy call, was looking like he was about to win that race, and then all of a sudden just to get taken out like that, it's, ooh, that's that's tough. That's to, tough, To man. be fair, at the end of the race, Grant Enfinger had the right strategy call, like, 
That was mm-hmm. that was a really, that was good. really good call. That I mean, I I questioned it. I'm glad I'm not a crew chief because I would not have mm-hmm. had the cojones <laughs> to make that call. Yeah, um, but that was yeah, a good one. Indianapolis this weekend it delivered. I, I feel like that's what we've gotten from every weekend we're used to not having great racing from. Where it's just like wow, you know, Pocono for instance, you had the great battle in the Xfinity series between Gregson and Ty Gibbs, and then you had a really good cup race to follow it up. You've had, you know, you've had it with a lot of these tracks this year where we're just, most people aren't expecting great racing. And There have been very few duds. There have like, been a ton of storylines. And it's like Martinsville. Between... Martinsville was the big Martins, dud. Yeah. Martinsville was probably the biggest the dud, dud yeah. of the year. And oh, that's Martinsville. Gosh. That's crazy. And that's even there, crazy. at least the Xfinity race was crazy with that parking lot in turn one. So at least yeah. you had something yeah. to talk about that weekend. <laughs> and the fight. Yeah, and yeah. we had to fight yeah. about that. About yeah, that. but yeah, yeah no, for the most part, it's been entertaining this year, and too for the for the most part at a, at a lot of these races too. So best season ever, yes, sir. Damn, see, they should have they should have done that. They should have done, the done the twenty eighteen campaign this year. Come on. Well, Fox, okay, yeah. and then really quick before we before we move on, uh, Mark Barnum in the chat says, remember also Lane Riggs and Haley Deegan had good finishes as yeah, well. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a. Oh yeah, Lane Riggs is. He got a top ten, didn't he? he mm-hmm. Yes, he is the son of former NASCAR driver Scott Riggs. So yeah, that was an amazing debut for him. I, and um, where did Haley Deegan finish again? I think she finished like thirteenth or eleventh or something. I I don't have this. The yeah, finishing order like on that. me, but, uh, but she made up. But 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 she made up like. 20 spots or like around mm-hmm. 20 spots in the final restart so okay, okay. I, you know give her props where it's due uh mm-hmm. but there so it was 13 but yeah definitely uh give her props on that one but i, I think that kind of wraps it up for indianapolis this week yeah. uh really quick before we go on to anything else let's do our first super chat uh super chat stage super tag super tag super tag <laughs> right. I, I got your timer if you want to go and start Awesome. I'm going to go and make sure that, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make sure I have all certain three, two, one. Uh, I want to get this one right away really quick from the gun. $50. Um, says, as far as restarts at Indy, single file, single file. They'll think the sand people did it. That's a, a robot chicken reference for anyone that doesn't know. Um, Solid. I love, I love robot chicken Star Wars. It is, it, it, I'll say this right now, better than Family Guy Star Wars. Uh, I mean, just so make hot sh- to end. Yeah, it, it might it might be a hot take. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> going down to Groovy Goose though, let's get back into the order here. Uh, Groovy Goose for four ninety nine. Boyer once said he couldn't believe Napa signed to Michael Waltrip with Spingate, which Clint pays a major role. Napa leaves MWR inside job. <laughs> 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 um. Mafire924, thank you for the two, says, Would a 100-mile race be good? Uh, I think Eric supports this. I think meaning the shorter races. Oh, a sh- a shorter, but not 100 miles, no. Not, this, is, not this, is not, this is not ARCA, no. <laughs> this is not F1. The business model makes no sense. Yeah. Whatever, the, whatever the meme was, I already <laughs> lost it. I'm, such, I'm, so, I'm not hip at all. I see uh, Charles Peterson Jr. says it is a very bold opinion. Um, I stand by it, though. Isaac, thank you for the four ninety nine. I'm twenty two years old, barely making the grades in college, while Ty Gibbs is nineteen years old, racing in cup, and people wonder why my life feels pathetic. I'm sorry, hey, Isaac. Hey, hey, hey. hey, bro, 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 Drew. Ty Gibbs um, was born it's into a lot of money. Okay, hey, hey, you're still you're you're living your best life. It's all good. It's all good. I hate college too, by the way. So I don't blame. 
Ty Gibbs is is one in a million. And think of it this way: you probably don't have near the amount of the amount of haters that Ty Gibbs. Yeah, has. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. So there's a positive probably. everything. So yeah, we hope. Uh, <laughs> Nova Stone Twelve, thank you for the five. It says Chase is the first driver to have a two race lead by race twenty one since nineteen eighty seven. Yet he is still not a championship favorite. Because he cannot finish races, still. I, I don't. I don't know. He's, he's a championship. Four favorite. wins. Yeah, he's the championship. But 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 um. But guess what? That big points lead is not going to matter in four weeks. <laughs> Mickey Mouse points lead. Is that, <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, it's just hey, it's just hey. NASCAR fans, some of you guys wanted playoffs, but then when your favorite driver gets affected by it, then it then it's a problem. So I to be fair, I don't. Yeah. Chase Elliott slash Jeff Gordon fans probably never were fans of the playoffs. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, Chance Parker, thank you for the $1 super chat. Um, Fire 924 thank you for the two, says, hey, to help people say oval suck, yet no next-gen race. I think he means about the uh, the Brickyard 400. Yeah, we now. don't know. It might be great with these cars. I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Melon Smasher 1, thank you for the 199 My final four, Elliot, Reddick, Chastain, and Logano. Uh, it could it could happen. I'd switch out Logano oh, for uh, Christopher Bell personally. I feel like I feel like you can make a case for a bunch He's, of drivers being in the final. Bell is I, I stand by what I said earlier this year. Bell is the currently the best guy at JGR for, right now. For that hot take, I'll give you one more past the three minute mark. Go All for right. it. Well, let's go with well, let's go with Jacob Powell then for the nine ninety nine super chat. Ross Chastain tried to use his Joker lap Sunday. Maybe he should try Rally Cross. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, we'll get to the rest of the Super Chats at the end of the show, uh, and I'll make sure I, I update the screen and everything. We are closing in on 600 watching at the one-hour mark. Be sure to lick that like button. Let's get over 200 likes, y'all. Um, lick the like button. And you know, while we're at it, uh, while you're all are licking that like button, we should thank the ones who brought you the, the first Super Chat stage break, and that is Lionel. Uh, it was brought to you by Lionel Racing, the official diecast of NASCAR. You can order your new 2022 diecasts of your favorite drivers now at lionelracing.com or any any other Lionel retailer. Uh, and don't miss Lionel Racing's NASCAR Authentics diecasts at a Walmart near you as well. And again, they're also making new Dale Jr. ones coming up. Guys, what do we got on tap today? I see that I'm the only one with a, a full-size one. We're completely Start off with Eric. I like Eric's scheme. Start off with that. I uh, my local Walmart came in clutch. Had many of the latest Gen uh, Gen Six. Goodness gracious, next gen test wave. Picked up Daniel Suarez track house. Also picked this one up because I got to see this one on track at Darlington when they first did that little showcase of the next gen. Did some pace laps. That was pretty cool. So I had to pick this up. It'll go nicely uh, alongside my eric jones prototype that i still have oh shoot i forgot the gloves oh not the oh i didn't mean to touch that without gloves but uh no yeah no, pretty cool to see this. so check out your local uh walmart target might be in stock yes and uh, this is a kurt bush uh team penske car from 2007 obviously um no uh, miller light on it so if you want a ice cold um bottle of kurt make sure to uh pick one up after the show i guess but, but no, 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 responsibly no. yeah drink responsibly and if you're underage don't drink at all but yeah no i love the blue rims on this thing and uh it's surprisingly in uh in in tip-top condition considering the fact that i've had this since 2007 since when it came out so uh surprisingly not a single scratch on this baby and uh hope and uh as for kurt bush hopefully he returns to the cup series very soon yes 
Uh, and then I have Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s 2011 Amp Energy Scheme. It's the same one he had in 2010, except it looks way better when you have this closed off here mm -hmm. instead of, of the uh, splitter being fully visible. Uh, this one, again, you know, I showed, I think I showed this one last week, the Kevin Harvick Budweiser one from 2011. I'm a sucker for simple schemes. Um, I'm going to say this now, and this might be kind of shocking for some people because you know how much I love that eight car. I put this scheme right up there with the eight car just because it's simple. It's old school and it just looks damn good. Like I know it that, iconic. Mm -hmm. it, it, it looks so good. And it's a shame that this scheme never got a win. So, but yeah, thank I you like to Lionel it. for sponsoring the first super chat stage break. And uh, I want to give a shout out real quick to Cameron. And I know we, we will get to the rest of the super chats at the end of the show, but he, mm -hmm. he just shout out a uh, shout out the 17 Chris Busher finishing 10th after being on fire. I forgot oh, yeah. that's, right. that's right. That's right. That's that was so crazy this week. That was, yeah. that was crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. Thanks, for, was... thanks for the super chat Cameron. Uh, really quick. Hold on a second. Do you hear that? Darren, do you hear that? Well, I didn't hear it today because I thought we were all good, but apparently we're starting to hear it now. And it's lightning round on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. Jarrett, what do we have on tap for tonight? And Eric, okay. you can put your headphones back on. Come back. Come on, apparently Eric. Apparently I got struck by lightning from the looks of it. <laughs> Dang. Uh, well, we got a little bit tonight. Oh, he is returning. Okay. There he is. I was like, okay, it's like, is he okay? <laughs> <laughs> doing his best gary johnson impersonation down there yeah. um, so, okay full disclosure i ran all the way to my kitchen to get a dr pepper <laughs> <laughs> i was thirsty <laughs> oh, man. oh man well i don't know how we're going to top that with a lightning round but we will try uh starting off rfk racing will feature the lebron james foundation on chris busher's car this week lebron james lebron james lebron james um Martinsville has also announced they're going to be replacing their lower seats in turns one and two with a grass berm. Also taking out the azalea flowers they have because they don't bloom for races. I don't think anyone really cared about that. But all I know is that my favorite seats in the house, which I actually bought tickets to for my birthday this year, are getting taken out before I can even uh, sit in them. They they really took out the best seats in the house. Bro. Don't seriously <laughs> like I don't care what anyone says. Front row seats at Martinsville in turn one are the best seats. You can still in, in see everything. Yeah. You and you and slap shoes, your butts were glued to those seats this spring. <laughs> you and those hot dogs. Hell, yeah. even last fall, even last fall. Too. <laughs> no, it was it was funny. Me and Slap like sat there for like two straight races and just sat drinking beer, <laughs> eating hot dogs, and just yelling at everyone who got into uh, somebody else. Well, like, Holy gotta, shit! Gotta sit somewhere else. Unfortunately, Martinsville's like, nope, gotta take your seats away. All right, to turn three and four we go. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's a new NASCAR docu-series that's debuting on USA Network called Race for the Championship. It comes out September 1st, and it looks good. Yes. Just wish it was on a streaming service. I don't know if it'll be on Peacock yeah. or maybe they'll eventually post it to Peacock, but that's where it'll gain yeah. traction, at least with the younger crowd. I, my, that's my fear. Love that they're taking NASCAR seriously, doing their own sort of Drive to Survive mm -hmm. series, but I don't want these these networks to just target NASCAR's existing older audience. Mm -hmm. They need to make a conscious effort to try and reach the 20 and 30-year-olds, and I don't feel like they're really doing that well because i i saw a video today uh it only had like 90 views on it but it was this guy who's an f1 fan he he went to indianapolis this weekend 
And the whole reason he went is because he watched the Bubba Wallace documentary and he likes Bubba. And he's like, he goes, I don't even care about any of this other stuff. But just, it was cool knowing a guy's story who was in the race. Cause he's like, I know all the F1 drivers. He's like, if I knew more about the NASCAR drivers, I'd probably go to every other race I could. See, you see, there you go. But also too, I have a feeling this reality show will be a lot better than the current one on USA Today called uh, um, Life in the Lapped Lane um, featuring Austin Dillon. What? Got him. What did yeah, doing like him. that? Got him there. Got him there. Hey, I've already seen the memes going around. Hey, I'm not the first one to say that. It's bad enough he's the second driver of two in his grandfather's <laughs> team. You don't have to kick him while he's down. Hey, that guy's a billionaire. He got his own show, bro. He, he can take it. He's, he's doing fine. <laughs> Yeah, he's good. This is we call this constructive, Chris. Like, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you this: that Brett Moffat, uh, well, he will not be a comrade anymore at Our Motorsports <laughs> as they have parted ways. <laughs> I forgot about that. Where's Danny, joke. dude? Where's Danny when you need him, man? Where's Danny when you need him? Uh, but but speaking of somebody who also spent some time in the Truck Series in recent years, Austin Hill will be debuting in the Cup mm-hmm. Series for the number thirty-three at Michigan, which is really cool because. Ten years ago, at the first Michigan race, Austin Dillon drove the 33 car for one of his first few starts. I thought I was the only one to remember that, but then I forgot. I'm like, you were actually at the race. Yeah, so actually, you don't see it on screen. It's just off camera, but I have an entire like made up to look like the sides of their cars i colored it in when i was 14 and i put it up on every wall no matter where i'm staying at the time the entire 43 car finishing order of that race i always have it with me just because mm-hmm. it was one of my favorite moments ever um so i remember it's like oh he finished right between um 34 back then was david reagan and dave blaney uh, Dale Jr. is racing in North Wilkesboro on Wednesday the 31st, so unfortunately we won't be able to see that. Uh, but he's going to be driving number th- the number three Sundrop late model, which is a throwback to the number three that he had drove at North Wilkesboro in the early 90s. And we're all just hoping that he doesn't get sued. <laughs> the font's just different enough. Just a tad well, bit different. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure well, he was driving for DEI. Yeah, actually, no, I didn't think yeah. about that. You're right. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, the front row dropped their penalty appeal, so McDowell Supremacy will be taken down another. Oh, you know, will be taken man. down that hundred points, and oh. the next four races leading up to the playoffs, they won't have their crew chief. Uh, Kurt Busch, as we talked about before, has not been cleared for Michigan. Ty Gibbs will once again be in the 45, and I'm actually really interested in this race because I think Ty Gibbs could be a threat for a top 10. Uh, And then finishing off with some stuff coming up, remember that Wednesday, August 17th, on Eric's channel at 8 p.m. Eastern time will be episode 200 of the NASCAR Mm -hmm. Weekly Podcast. It's going to be nuts. And then that Tuesday right after it, we're doing the second annual NWP 400 on IDK Players channel mm-hmm. on iRacing. This year, we're at the next-gen cars at night at Daytona. That'll start at 8 p.m. Eastern time, Tuesday, August 23rd. So plenty of episode cool Episode 200 is going to be nuts. We got Pitbull pre-race show. We got Ice Cube <laughs> coming in during the stage break I, super chat. No, no, but I it'll just, be fine. I just got to make it two and a half more to be on 200 straight. I'm oh, sure Tim crazy. Duggar will show up somewhere. He just always does. What the hell is that? I was like, no. We can find a better country. But anyways, <laughs> and oh, that'll yeah. do it for the lightning round on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. And now, back to the show. God, I feel like we're just low-key roasting a lot of people tonight. Uh, like, I'm, kind of just un- I'm roasting. No, just like, well, like we're just... just <laughs> 
it's like we don't have 600 people listening closely to everything we're saying. <laughs> oh, wait, we've had 600 people watching this whole time. What? There's not six? Oh, my goodness. But anyways, look at the like button, y'all. Look it. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Sorry, that, that's a good lead into our, uh, yeah. our final sponsor um, shout-out of the night, Forney Industries. Uh, regulars are familiar with Forney. And Jarrett, shout-out to Jarrett having the uh, – logo there just above his head so that's what you got to look out for forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines metalworking accessories and more for do-it-yourselfers all the way up to professional metal workers forney has everything you need for your next project so keep an eye out jared's pointing at it keep an eye out for the green forney logo you can also shop all of their top of the line products online at forneyind.com link is down in the description below uh, but again check them out look for them at an authorized forney dealer near you appreciate uh, all of our sponsors bringing the nascar weekly podcast to life is this true douglas says in the chat forney is also a town in texas mm-hmm. i wonder if that's where they're oh, from i didn't know that oh, i oh, live wow. in texas big but cool that's fun awesome What's next, Jarrett? <laughs> well, let, let's go from uh, the lightning round and the road course to the streets of Pittsburgh, possibly. Ooh. Because this past week, Adam Stern reported that Pittsburgh tourism officials have said they like the plan that Chicago and NASCAR put together and would like to do a similar event with NASCAR on the streets of Pittsburgh. So, Darian, I'll start off with you. Pittsburgh, do you think that is... Uh, do you think that's the right city to do it with? You know, we talked back and forth about Chicago, but Pittsburgh definitely has a different kind of atmosphere to it and a different no. aura to it than Chicago, I would say. On paper, it seems like a no, but then when you look a little bit more into it, I feel like it's perfect. I mean, well, well, not necessarily perfect, but it's um, it's definitely doable in my opinion. I mean, obviously, when you think of Pittsburgh, you think of you know the famous Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers you know, going to the Super Bowl. You know, basically Pittsburgh sports, uh, Pittsburgh sports in general, which obviously doesn't include motorsports. So it would be it. it it would definitely be totally different, but like I, I think it would be very, a, a very successful event. I feel like um, to make it even more successful with the locals and stuff, you would have to incorporate some of the Pittsburgh uh, sports icons, you know, current ones and past in, and Tony Hall Bradshaw. famers too. Yeah, yeah, Terry Bradshaw. He's Terry, a Terry former Bradshaw. NASCAR. God, I said yeah, Tony. Was, I'm off. Today. It's all good. He was a former. He was a former NASCAR Bush Series owner at at one point mm-hmm. too. So I Friends mean, he knows Dale about Earnhardt. the sport. Yeah, yeah, he knows about the sport and stuff, too. And, hell, I mean, you can get some current Pittsburgh Steelers players out there. You know, T.J. Watt, you know, um, the running back's name, Najah Harris. I think that's his name. Uh, his last name's Harris. But I just want to see the cars racing across that beautiful yellow Yes, bridge. and I was just about to mention that, too. <laughs> that beautiful yellow bridge, you have to make it a part of the course. You have no choice. You have to make it a part of the course, man. So I've never been to Pittsburgh. So this is from a purely outsider's once. perspective. When I think of Pittsburgh, I think of blue-collar, Steel mm-hmm. City, I feel like that will resonate with NASCAR's core audience. Uh, but regionally, it's kind of the opposite. Regionally, it's not in the south, southeast. It's in kind of the northeast, borderline Midwest. So uh, I think regionally, it's in a good spot because it doesn't really conflict with any of the other big budget, you know, uh, big ticket street races like Las Vegas, Miami, Austin, Chicago, Nashville. It's often its own region of the country. So I, I think it on paper actually checks a lot of boxes. It sounds kind of like a better fit than Chicago in many ways, other than it's just not as big of a city as Yeah, Chicago. I was just about to mention. I was just about to mention this too. As far as the sports markets are concerned, uh, Chicago has a bigger, I guess it's, it's just it's a bigger city. Yeah, market. it's considered. Yeah. yeah, yeah, basically. But but I, I like the idea on on paper. But you know, let's pump the brakes and see how the Chicago race 
plays out before. <laughs> let's we, see if it even happens, though. Before we start touring to other streets, let's just consider that. So, looking at at some stuff, kind of just to add to it really quick, um, Pittsburgh is actually on the side of Pennsylvania. Uh, the other side of it from Pocono. So it's not, and, and that is a big ass four and a half hour, like 300 mile difference. It is, yeah. it is. Uh, the other thing is, is that it's actually really close, a, a lot closer than I actually thought. It's really close to Cleveland and, uh-huh. and is right it's next to Ohio, uh, which Ohio is another sneaky area for a lot of racing fans been forsaken by nascar the last few mm-hmm. years yes it it might actually be some something that can draw in a core audience while still having that big street race vibe to it so it, it could definitely work i want to see what plans they think and not just copy in chicago because like what layout like if you've been in pittsburgh before you know that the, the roads it's it's kind of it's like driving on roads in illinois it, they, they yeah. fall apart pretty easily we need to ask uh, we need to ask uh urinating tree uh what some uh good spots he think would be for the uh for the street course he's from there so i mean it, it is would make he sense. yeah no because <laughs> Steelers gone to super Bowl. in case you didn't yeah in case you didn't notice yeah he is oh. from there but yeah but um but no matter what you have to include that famous iconic pittsburgh bridge with this you have to you have no any pit any Pittsburgh natives in the chat? What is that bridge called? Does it have a name other than the Yellow Bridge? <laughs> the, the Yellow Brick Road. No, I'm kidding. It's not the Yellow. It has yeah. to have a cool name. Well, I don't know. Right here too, uh, Twin Spinner says, "Yeah, I'm from Cleveland. It's only like a 90 minute drive to Pittsburgh, and ah. also a few hours away from Detroit as well." Perfect. Uh, perfect. Tre- Trevor Bailey says, "I live in Pittsburgh. Uh, Shenley Park is a perfect place to host a NASCAR race. It hosts the, or hosted the Vintage Grand Prix every year." Oh yeah, so there is a bit of a some racing um, history there hot, already. Hot piss says Fort Pitt Tunnel Bridge. I think no, I think the correct answer. This sounds right because I've watched a lot of Pirates games back in the day. Uh, the Roberto Clemente oh, Bridge. Oh yeah. Or, the, or yeah, is it the yeah. Three Sisters Bridge? Or is it the same? Is it, those the same? Because that's what Peter's saying too. Oh okay. yeah, I see a few people saying that. So maybe it's got a few different names. What's it like? What's like? What are the locals call it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. bridge. <laughs> the big yellow bridge. Yeah. Well, uh, but. Darren, you alluded to it a little bit. I won't go like as as far in on on uh, that opinion as you yet, though it, it is something to look at. There were some updates with the Chicago plan this week, uh, and there there's it's getting spicy. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. So NASCAR will pay Chicago five hundred thousand dollars in permit fees, plus Chicago will get fifteen percent net commissions and two dollars per ticket sold. Uh, NASCAR will occupy Grant Park, which is like the Chicago, I won't say version, but equivalent to like, you know, Central Park in New York uh, and the surrounding areas of it for two weeks from June 22nd to July 5th. So uh, we better not get a thunderstorm for that street racer. It's going to be like right up to the limit of, of having to make it up if that ends up happening uh, through the week. Uh, Lollapalooza, though, as the alderman in that area brought up pay Chicago 7.8 million for the same area. Now that draws in a lot younger and a lot bigger crowd. I will say that, uh, the aldermen for the area though are now even more against the race and, uh, are working to kind of put it up to a vote where they could strike it down. It's not necessarily Uh-oh. where they're at yet, but they need more. This is similar uh, to what happened the last time Chicago tried to have a street mm-hmm. race. 
so uh, before we go into any kind of backup plans, which by the way, I just want to say now, it's not Daytona. Daytona doesn't want a 4th of July race anymore. So it, it they host soccer. They host a soccer yeah, tournament they're, they're, there now. They're busy that week, guys. They, mm-hmm. don't, they don't have time for us. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but kind of going into it, though, like, does NASCAR, did NASCAR kind of, you know, almost like getting away with murder with that good of a, a deal? Like, Eric, I'll start with you. I, I have no idea what <laughs> that sounds. Murder. That sounds pretty good, honestly. Like, compared to the $7.8 million for Lollapalooza. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that probably, that's probably a good deal, definitely by comparison. I, I imagine, I, I have to imagine they're spending more money because I wonder how much NASCAR is spending on actually building the track, like bringing in the barriers, the grandstands, the suites. I imagine mm-hmm. NASCAR is putting a lot of that cost. So I, I, I think it's still a good deal. I mean, NASCAR wouldn't be doing it if they didn't think it made sense from a financial perspective, or at least I would hope they would not be doing it. Uh, we'll see. I, I, yeah, I, to say this event is 100% absolutely going to happen on July 2nd next year, it's probably like night. I'd give it like a 98% chance, but no, it's not a sure thing. So it'll be interesting to see and kind of listen from afar to what happens behind the scenes in Chicago politics. Is there enough pushback to actually put this event in danger of being canceled, being moved? I know you've mentioned, you're probably going to say this, Jared, so I don't want to step on it too much, but it sounds like Chicagoland is still there as a backup. It's ready. If this slot becomes open all of a sudden, it's ready. That's all I'll say. It's ready. man. So, I, I'll, I'll say I think more than likely it will happen. I'm going to go with like a 70, 75% chance just because a lot of this, I think, hinges on if Lori Lightfoot wins her election. And unfortunately, again, we don't bring politics up too much if we don't have to, but street racing requires that you have and to And also, look at it's that. a part of the story, y'all. It's a part of yeah. this particular story. So we have I, no choice but to talk about it. I, I, I would say this. If she loses the election, I don't think this happens. Just yeah, because I, I don't see somebody else coming in and trying to spin a bad PR with that. Um, I think it all hinges on that election. Just because Chicago politics are in, just inherently and historically very shady, dirty politics, even compared to normal. Yeah, like, if you look at the history of politics, ladies and gentlemen, there's regular politics and then there's Chicago politics. Okay, in Chicago politics, there's a whole bunch of, of, of shady stuff going on there. For, I will say for that many, Nas- many years. NASCAR's pushing it hard on their broadcast. I've noticed every week mm-hmm. since it's been announced, like every commercial break has a Chicago street war course uh, um, look. commercial. So, I mean, it's like NAS- NASCAR seems like they're holding up their end of the bargain. Look, I hope it happens. You know, I think it would be great for the sport to, you know, have a race in a major city like that or whatever. I mean, the racing, I don't think is going to be the greatest, but I mean, just the atmosphere and just, you know, aesthetically, it'll look very pleasing to the eye to see NASCAR racing in this in these in these streets of a major American city. That would be awesome. But um, again, it all goes back to um, how the uh, the politics will unfold by the time um, um, uh, by the time this race is uh, supposed to be ran next year. So again, like Jarrett said. If what's her name, if she doesn't get reelected, then uh, I would say this event, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it'll be totally dead just yet, but the likelihood of it happening, mm, I'm not entirely sure. But I mean, if I were NASCAR, I would definitely, I mean, obviously NASCAR, they're all in on the Chicago street course, but just in case, just in case NASCAR, they should look into uh, to some other, uh, some other plans um, if that happens to fall through. I mean, the easiest plan would be a race at, at, um, at, at Chicagoland Speedway, and then also, you know, if you want to look at some other major cities, we just talked about Pittsburgh. Want to work out a last-minute deal with I, them, perhaps? I don't, I don't know. Doing a last-minute thing like that would, 
well, not like NASCAR. They would definitely try no, and do something that. I don't. Something I don't like that. No, because that would all have to be done in a span of like five or six months and this is like this has been in the works for years like yeah, they talked like, about this in 2019 2020 like i don't see them trying to hurry that up too much just because if you're going to do it you want to do it as right as you can no well, they better well hopefully that it'll it'll um still be able to run next year and stuff hopefully i mean they're doing all this promotion and stuff all this marketing it would just suck it would be such a nascar thing to do all this promotion and then bam sorry someone got reelected. Well, they're not interested in running the race it's i'm not just happening. i'm just saying I, I still think that it's like a much bigger chance than not that it will happen like yeah. until proven otherwise until anything gets put like into like a court there or anything like that I don't see them legally being able to pull out of having NASCAR there just yet. Um, but I, it's something that I think people need to keep a, a hawk's eye view on. Yeah. Don't make too, too, too big of a deal of it yet. Just keep your eyes on it. Yeah. Just keep you pay attention. Uh, I guess after that really quick, I think we should probably check up on the weekly Kyle Bush saga <laughs> updates. I mean, that's literally what it's turned into. It's literally just like a weekly sitcom. There's always something point. happening with him, man. Always. So Kyle Bush has said he is willing to race for less money. Uh, also has said that looking at some options, not saying this is going to happen, but looking at some options outside of NASCAR uh, and is willing to make more concessions. Uh, add to all this that Bush hasn't had a top 10 in the last seven races, though. This is actually the worst stretch of his career. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Oh. So... Again, now, adding in the last week's full of news dump on this, Eric, I want to start with you on this. Do you more confident that Kyle Busch returns to JGR hearing this stuff or less? I am because I can't remember if I said it on this show or if I just said it on my show, but a week ago I said, I think a lot of us kind of agreed, that Kyle Busch still has a choice to make. He can choose to lower his asking price. And it sucks because he's felt that he's owed his market price is a certain level for months and months. He's been waiting for this payday. But, you know, I suggested he do what Brad Keselowski did a couple of years ago. Be willing to take a shorter term, lesser deal to stay with the team that gives you the best chance to win races and championships. And, you know, maybe you guys piece some sponsorship together through the season, but you're not necessarily dependent on finding that 20 to $25 million unicorn sponsorship. So it sounds like he's, finally kind of come to those terms that reality's hit him in the face and he's unfortunately i'd say been humbled a little bit he's not going to get his full asking price for next season i think right now because of the way they were talking this weekend i would not be surprised if joe gibbs and kyle bush have actually been at the table and have actually started to work out drafts and ideas of an actual way they can get a one-year deal done a deal where bush maybe makes less money than he wants and maybe joe gibbs ends up losing money a little bit in the short term something he was hoping to avoid but it keeps the two together for one more year and allows them to punt a lot of these sponsorship discussions down the line a few more months gives them more time to maybe find another oracle that this time actually works out and puts you know ink to paper Hey, are, um, does anyone want to make sure that uh, Kyle Busch doesn't have something under the uh, the uh, um, the table with uh, with McLaren? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like McLaren. They're taking everybody's drivers nowadays. But I don't know. In all seriousness, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the likelihood of Kyle Busch staying at Joe Gibbs Racing um, it's it's becoming more and more likely just because you know we're so far into you know in, um, into that point in the uh, in the 2022 season when you need to have something done. In, in order to get ready for next year, to start preparing for next year. And I feel like with this much time and stuff that's being put into negotiations and all that stuff, like, I feel like I, I do agree with Eric that they probably have been at the table maybe once or twice or a few other times. 
Um, and, you know, they... I feel like Kyle Busch, his best option is just, again, go for that short-term deal. You know, obviously it'd be, you know, short-term, you know, gain money-wise for him and obviously short-term loss for Joe Gibbs Racing. And then if you want to look at, you know, possibly getting a long-term deal done after next season, then, you know, go for it. Or maybe for the rest of Kyle Busch's career, maybe they do deals like this, perhaps. Maybe these little one- to two-year deals every now and then, maybe, if that works out for all parties. But again, I mean, Kyle Busch's leverage, I mean, uh, you know, when you when you talk about leverage, I feel like Joe Gibbs has all the leverage here because, again, you have, a, you know, a talented Ty Gibbs in the pipeline as well as an, an affiliate team, too. You know, if you needed to look for a um, a, uh, a really quick replacement, I feel like, yeah, a lot of people would love to drive that 18 car no matter what the asking price is. So all the leverage is with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, too. Now, if Kyle Busch doesn't want to compromise and wants to go to a less competitive team, but wants to um, get more money, then he can do that. But I think right now, I mean, Kyle Busch is just looking at all of his options. I feel like um, the most important thing for him is not the money, but like, hey, am I still going to be competitive here? And obviously, these um, you know, obviously these negotiations, it's uh, starting to take effect on his um, on his uh, on track performance. Like you said, no top tens in the last seven races. Ooh, well, so I will. Uh, I'm gonna stir the pot a little here. So I do. Th- I, do I do think that. It is definitely much more likely now that he ends up with JGR for next year, maybe a short deal. Uh, but, but Hendrick Motorsports keeps getting thrown around. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not saying it's going to happen this year. What I'm saying is, if you look right now at the way that the 48 team is performing, it would be huge. Yeah, that'd be the spot. It's not exactly inspiring anyone. Now, I want to mm-hmm. uh, pull this up again just so that. I can uh, kind of read off how Alex Bowman has done in this 48 car this summer. It has been a dismal summer stretch for the 48 team. And he was doing yeah. pretty decent before the summertime started. Yeah, we too. commended him for being consistent this year yeah. until, yeah, like May. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Alex Bowman this year has one win, three top fives, nine top tens. All of those were done in the first 14 races this year. Even the top Ooh. tens. Even the top tens, yes. So. <laughs> Since the Coke 600, since the start of June, uh, he has oh finished. No, I... You ready? You all right? Danny's not here to defend his guy. <laughs> Dan- Danny's actually been put like on the show the last couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, that's true. He's picked him to him. suck a few times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, since the 14th race of the season at Charlotte, Alex Bowman has finished 13th at Gateway, 16th at Sonoma, 36th at Nashville, 12th at, at uh, Road America. 32nd in Atlanta, 35th at Loudoun, 11th at Pocono, 32nd this past week. In those nine or no, eight races, he has DNF'd four of them. I was going to say four, half of those races outside the top 30. Oh, Bowman, what happened? We were giving so, you so much praise for I being will, consistent, I will add man. This, I will add this. Uh, of, of those races, only two of those races are less than 100 laps. He has finished less than 100 laps in four of these races, too. Uh, so, okay, so you're ugly. stirring the pot. But what do you suggest? Are you suggesting Kyle Busch to the 48 with mm-hmm. an ally? I don't know about ally. Because they, that's they, the deal. Like, when Hendrick signed an, him with no sponsor, they, they, they kind of did with Larson at first and pieced it together as they went. But, but Larson but still was Bush, mostly HendrickCars.com. But that, I think we've established that's largely outside. That's not directly affecting Rick Hendrick's pocketbook. I know, but it's it, it still is part, at least. It's not fully, but it is part. Sure. 
What I'm kind of thinking is what if what if Ally kind of takes a deal where they're, they're more spread around, similar to what some other Hendrick sponsors like Exalta have done, where they have a few races with Chase, a few on the 48, a few with the 24. Yeah, like Valvoline has done. What if, what, what if Kyle Busch is subbed in and kind of is like one of the other elder statesmen at Hendrick Motorsports in the 48 car. He is a different driver than he was at it as a 21-year-old getting mm-hmm. booted from HMS. Way different. He, he is someone who, from the way that people close to Rick Hendrick, like Dale Jr. have said, is someone Rick Hendrick is open to bringing back. And it is one of the only, if not the only, team that could be a step up from JGR, which, yes, stuff might be patched over right now, but it, it's, it's not the same relationship it was... Keselowski left Penske after that one-year extension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think Kyle Busch is going and, you know, starting RFKFB racing. Like, <laughs> no, so, I think he saw, I think he's seen how that's working out for Keselowski right now. He's like, nah. I'm just saying, that. like, I would not be surprised. Rick Hendrick has brought together bitter rivals before. And Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch is the closest thing NASCAR's had to a bitter rivalry since Gordon Earnhardt. Like, so. I don't hate your your little pot, your little cauldron, your little witch's brew you've, you've <laughs> stirred up here. I don't hate it. But the big holder is the sponsorship because I don't yes. see Ally. They don't match with Kyle Busch. That, yeah, that's just, I was that, just thinking that too. Big. I'm like, look, so, Kyle. Yeah, Hendrick, he's... Hendrickcars.com though. So, they're like winning. And they went with someone who is way, at the time, starting in 2021, was way yeah, more controversial yeah. than Kyle Busch. Way that's, more. That's fair. But I, are they going to spread themselves that thin? I just, I don't know. So sponsor still my, sponsorship still my question. But boy, can you imagine? Yeah, yeah, he'll be two years older or whatever. But can you imagine a lineup? Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott. And the still young, improving William Byron. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> I mean that. <laughs> that would be. That, it'd be hard. Me, that would be the best team since maybe Gordon Johnson. You Martin. know, Mark Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like maybe. Maybe twenty fourteen Hendrick or mm-hmm. Gibbs twenty sixteen with yes. Edwards, Kenseth, Hamlin, Bush. It would be in that vein. I, like that would be a Mount Rushmore team. I just don't since I, since I think we're we all kind of agree Ally would not sign on for thirty plus races. That's a lot of gaps you got to fill. And I don't know if Hendrick, he's known to take risks, maybe take a short-term loss in favor of a long-term gain. But I don't know if he'd do that. I just don't know, especially considering the history. I don't know if Kyle Busch is the guy he'd take that swing at. It's history, though, that at the time would have been almost 20 years in the past. And we talked about leverage. Kyle Busch, you just said, is in the worst stretch of his career. He's nowhere close to the best he's ever been. His peak statistically speaking was 2018 Neither was Kyle think, Larson in 2020 no, no. I'm sorry but Kyle my, Larson is in a much wasn't a much worse spot than Kyle Bush is yeah, now and also I'll kind of defend K- K- um, uh, KBF or uh, KFB here um, I mean don't you think don't you think some of that you know performance has to do with the current contract situations though you don't sure. think that's taking an effect on them though you know what I mean yeah. like I mean it's a lot I mean like the at this point in the season, deals have already been done. People know where you know where they're going to be next year. He but, still has yet to. But he's this is we're talking. We're going on three years now. One win in twenty twenty. I was that one win he got in twenty twenty was on a Wednesday. Oh, night I was at, I was talking about the final seven races. No, I, I get yeah. you, but I'm just I'm saying not. I'm saying that it's been he's been a little off his game for almost three years now. Yes. Granted, he almost made it to the championship four last year. I think he was one point out at the end of the Martinsville race, uh-huh. but only four wins in the last two and a half years. He backed into the one this year. He's just not the the, the stone cold candy man killer 
that he was for a decade plus. Like 2018, 2019, like he was 2015 when he came back from injury. Unstoppable, a terror. He's not that guy right now. He, I think he still can be. He's still age-wise, I think, in his prime and will be for at least a few more years. But if the, if the results don't improve in the next year and a half, I think that's another thing going against him. Hendrick isn't going to make that kind, take that kind of a risk on a guy who seems to be past his prime. Well, yeah, and NASCAR uh, Bowman 48, and this is a, a pushback. I don't want to, like, straw man any of my arguments at all. He left a $5 super chat said, uh, Bowman can still uh, can race still, finished second in the Xfinity race at Indy, and he was the only one to keep pace with AJ or even be close to him in that race. I will agree with that. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, I'm not saying he's a bad driver. What I'm saying I'm is just terrible. That... No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Just because Danny's not here, I can no, say I can I, joke about it. I can joke. <laughs> I, I, re- I respect Alex Bowman, and I think he deserves a 48 personally. I think a bad stretch shouldn't dictate anything uh, worse on that when – I mean, the man has what, you know, five wins in the last season and a half. Like he's doing better, Kyle Busch. You know that 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 would that would go against my argument. What I'm saying though is, if you're going after somebody like a Kyle Busch, you have an option to go out and get them. Rick Hendrick made a mistake before. He chose Casey Mears over Kyle Busch. Mm. I feel like he he would be one who would who would be willing to take that second chance, take a chance on somebody like that, especially with somebody like Jeff Gordon there to kind of keep him more reined in, someone who probably understands more of the modern driver's thought process than a Joe Gibbs would. Like, I I think it's something that at the moment might not seem realistic, but it's like I think the pieces could easily come together with that, see, especially if Bowman doesn't improve in performance in the next half season see, or so. I have to see, has Kyle Busch to – does he still have any sort of resentment towards Hendrick Motorsports? No, right? Not from what it sounds like. It sounds like okay. all that got kind of buried in the 2010s okay, because, when he won because, championships. <laughs> yeah, because the whole story of, like, you know, the way of how he left the team was that, I guess, you know, Jeff Gordon was starting to notice that, like, he was starting to get in, like, more and more moods consistently. So he, but so again, um, him and Gordon it, had a talk, and then Gordon went to Hendrick, and then boom, you know, it's he comparing, released, but. It's comparing someone who's, like, 21 years old to yeah, somebody who's almost same 40. Person. Yeah, it's yeah, a complete, not that same person. I mean, it's, a like, between the times that, hypothetically, he could race for Hendrick Motorsports, about half of his life uh, to that point has has went by. So it's, like, it's it's definitely something that I think – he might be able to fit in better now with Hendrick than he would back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I just... But some other options, too. Don't forget, hey, Stuart Haas Racing still might happen, okay. maybe. Still a possibility. I, I mean, hey, the way Kevin Harvick was talking, though, the way Kevin Harvick was answering the questions and, you know, the way he was grinning and stuff, I don't know, like, some people were like, oh, yeah, there's obviously a deal done. Just look at the way Kevin Harvick I don't think there's a deal question. I'm like, I yeah, I don't, I, never, I don't believe that neither, but... But I, I think it makes it interesting, especially... Yes. I mean, if we're talking, like, oh, my God, Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch could come together, it's like Kevin but, Harvick and Kyle Busch. But, Eric, what, what'd you say, what'd you say, Eric, um, in our chat uh, earlier? Earlier, um, uh, last weekend, you were like, "Nah, Kevin Harvick's he he's uh, he's courting." Uh, yeah, Kevin. he's just trying to court. I think those yeah. comments were him just trying to be like, "Hey, Kyle, you know, I've sucked for two years. Can you come make my car faster?" Like, I think that's what that was. Mm-hmm. What I did, in my opinion, I don't think. Yeah, like you said, there's no SHR Kyle Busch deal far along at but least also, at this point. But also, too, if you look back at history, remember Kyle Busch started off his NASCAR career in the Top Three Series with Roush Racing in a Ford. So hey, he has raced a Ford before. I mean, it was it Done was it years all. ago, but but yeah, so. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens with that. You talked about cars getting faster, and Brad Keselowski, uh, kind of going mm. to the next subject before we get to our picks here. 
uh, has said that maybe NASCAR should stop guys from illegally getting faster, should stop uh, and penalize more teams. His quote was, and this is Brad Keselowski talking, the sport needs more penalties and NASCAR needs to be handing them out like candy right now to get control of the garage. This also kind of fueled some of the rumors of Kyle Larson's incident. Mm. But what I want to ask you guys here, because I think this is where the more interesting debate from a fan perspective comes in, is Brad Keselowski right or, or wrong somewhere in the middle on this deal? Should NASCAR be trying to stifle innovation? Or should it be trying to make it closer? What are your guys' takes on this, Darian? I want to start with you on this. And then, Eric, I want to hear what you think. Because I think both of you guys are going to have conflicting opinions. And I'm kind of like, I'm torn. And I, I, I think both ways can really lead to a lot of good. I, I feel like Keselowski, like, these comments coming from him, it sounds like he's obviously a tad bitter, you know, because he was the one who, who got, you know, a major penalty earlier in the season. And because he got caught. I mean, again, look. Cheating in NASCAR, it's nothing new. Cheating in motorsports, it's nothing new, okay? These teams have been cheating for decades. They just are smart enough not to get caught. And I don't know. I mean, for Keselowski to say this, though, I don't know. Like, I feel like if this came from, like, another team or another driver that hasn't been penalized this year, then I would feel differently. But, like, I don't know. Just hearing these words from Keselowski is just, I don't know. It just sounds like he's just, I don't know. He's bitter that his team got caught, you know, compared to, uh, to some other teams and stuff. But... I don't know. It's like, look, if NASCAR, you know, if, if NASCAR wants to find something, I feel like, you know, they're going to find it. You know, I mean, they own the ball. They own the playing court. All right. You're, you're not going to get too much past NASCAR, too. But is NASCAR willing to to, you know, let a few things slide? I, I, I don't know. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that, you know, you can't stifle innovations, you know, like and again, like you know again these teams have been cheating for years already so simply don't get caught i feel like if keselowski didn't get caught he wouldn't be saying these things that's my take so this is brad keselowski the team owner talking yeah. and so jerry you asked should they be stifling innovation and my answer is they have to they don't have a choice like the promise of the next gen car was to make running a competitive cup series team more cost effective than ever before and the only way you do that the only way you fulfill that promise is if you crack down on anyone and everyone who's even slightly tampering with spec parts, because that's where a lot of the teams blew their budgets in the past was on tiny little details, pieces of tape, little wind tunnel effects here and there. And I'm not naive enough to, you know, I'm, I, I'm naive sometimes, but I'm not this naive. I know teams are still going to try and find ways to spend money and, and, you know, cross the line here or there, but the more you crack down, the more you enforce the rules you promised you'd enforce at the beginning of the season, you tell people, hey, no, this is a new era. Like it or not, this is a culture shift. You got to do that. that. You have to do that for the next gen to be successful. So I don't think they have a choice. I, I think I agree with Brad Keselowski. I don't know if he's subtweeting anyone specifically saying that, oh, I know there's some teams. Maybe he's the guy that ratted out on the, Cape, the, yeah. the JGR cars. I don't know. But either way, no, I, I think he's dead on. I thought it was also interesting in that racer.com article, he talks about, you know, after their penalty, he went through the shop and said, no more tricks, no more games. We just have to stop it. And there was well, pushback in the RFK shop. Guys were like, no, we've always like tried things. He's like, nope, not anymore. Not in 2022, not with the and, next gen car. And, and that is one running. of the reasons. Yeah, that is, I was just about to say, that is one of the reasons why they are running in the back, unfortunately. It could be, it, exactly. It could be. So I, I think you have to, you have to do it. Again, it's for better or worse because 
some of my favorite stories from throughout NASCAR history are about how clever, tricky engineers or drivers or teams, you know, gamed the system, found little like wonky advantages in ways you never would have suspected. Some of those are the best stories. But if we want to continue to have, if we want to have 30 competitive cars, if we want the health of the sport to improve, if you want the industry to, you know, kind of get their budgets under control somewhat, so to speak, you got to strictly enforce these rules. So I, I think Keselowski's dead on in that sense, but that's why I think he's talking strictly from the team owner's perspective, not from a fan's perspective or even a driver from a guy who's footing some of the bill. And he understands this is how you're going to get costs under control in the long haul. But also, Eric, don't you think he has to be feeling some type of way? Because he's one of the few teams that have gotten caught this year. And for him to be saying this, you don't think he sounds a tad bit bitter about sure, that? I, I agree with you there. I, I doubt he'd be coming out maybe this strong if he hadn't yeah. been caught. Yeah. I agree with you there. But that being said, I still I don't think he's wrong. I think he's just the only one being honest. I think there are other team owners that maybe would say the same thing, but, but like, well, I haven't been caught yet. So yeah, but, uh, but I feel like the only reason he is honest about this and upfront about this is because earlier in the season, his team got caught and they were penalized and stuff too. Uh, so no, like, I, agree, I, but... I feel like, I feel like if like, you know, if like a, a Hendrick, um, if a, a Hendrick motorsports were to, um, were to, uh, to say comments like that, then, I'd feel a, a tad bit differently about him, but I don't know. Hearing them from Kislavsky, like, yeah, he's right, but it's like, dude, the only reason I feel like you're saying this is because, again, you got caught, bro. So, yeah. Well, and to you guys' point, they struggled this year compared mm-hmm. to a lot of other drivers and teams. So, yeah, because not deciding, deciding not to try and push those limits and stuff, like, okay, all right, you're going to suffer, no, you're going to suffer performance wise. But, but I, again, NASCAR's promise at the beginning of this year do not touch the cars. Do not mess with these parts. So I hope, I hope they're looking closely. And when they get a tip like they did at Pocono that someone's gaming it a little bit, I'm glad they investigate. And honestly, while it was, it felt a little extreme for two pieces of tape, disqualifying the two Joe Gibbs racing cars was the right call. And I hope Mm -hmm. they continue to make those types of calls. I'll kind of argue and kind of push back, play the devil's advocate on this. I feel like trying to make everyone even is kind of how we got in this mess to begin with. Because when you look at the, the era that NASCAR fans glorify as as the most competitive era of like the nineties and the two thousands, those like there was plenty of wiggle room that people that, that teams were playing with. The the big one that I always remember is at intermediate tracks, you would have some people have like a high drag car versus a high downforce car, cars that were better even better in clean air than than ones, you know, in comparison of other manufacturers. There was an arms race, yes. That was that was more difficult with um, with cost once the sport regressed, but the, I think that part of the reason that we got in this position is because NASCAR tried to even everything out, similar to what they're doing today with the COT and then with the Gen Six, trying to make everything equal. And they back then the, the storyline in two thousand seven and eight was parity, and there was a good amount of parity, even if there were drivers who dominated a lot of it. There were teams that would run thirtieth every week, like Haas CNC in in two thousand seven who were running top 10 with the COT, with Scott Riggs and with Johnny Sauter. Um, so I, I feel like if you if you take out that important aspect, there's only going to be sort of like a ceiling of where it can hit. There always has to be rules. And I'm not saying that we should just throw out the rule book. But I think that if, if you cap it off and everyone is running the same stuff every time, you're going to kind of lead into, and I, again, I don't say this in a bad way, way towards their culture because it's a different culture with f1 but you're going to have what you have towards f1 where in general when you compare it to nascar it is not as action-packed with passing because a lot of times it's basically the same thing just with different manufacturers 
Like yeah. that that's that's where my worry comes in is because it's like we can try as much as we want to manufacture parity. And I think we'll have parity with a new car because everyone's learning about it. But what where does this come in two, three, four years down the road when basically everyone's told you have to run the same stuff every week that's but also that's it's pointless too it. it's pointless because uh, because no matter what racing no matter what package the best is always going to rise to the top it doesn't matter if you try to make it as even as possible too well i, mean, I, yes. I, I want to get back to the, the root of jared's argument is he's basically arguing about the spec car is it yeah. was is a good idea to have a spec car and that just goes back to the beginning of the next gen when it was first announced and it's just yeah, it's a it's a cost cutting maneuver. Parity, more competitive racing. That's honestly, I feel like secondary to mm-hmm. just trying to yeah. make it more. Like NASCAR hangs its hat on the fact that Michael Jordan invested into the sport, that mm-hmm. Pitbull invested in the sport, that Justin Marks has launched Trackhouse, a completely new way of running a NASCAR Cup Series team. That's the kind of stuff NASCAR, you know, kind of wears. It's a feather in their cap. So that's the goal of the next gen. Because as you said, Jared, I agree with you. I'm going to miss some of that creativity. I wholeheartedly agree. That's half, not half. That's some of the charm of, you know, 10, 15, 30 years ago of NASCAR. But back in those days, sponsorship dollars were crazy. The market, uh, the ticket sales were crazy. That money just isn't the same today. So some concessions had to be made. And I think this is one of the concessions the entire industry just kind of had to accept. It's not good. People lost jobs. Teams cut entire departments before this season. It's It sucks. The, basically, the entire industry just downsized a little bit. But the industry had to get to a size that was more sustainable. And I think a spec car like the next gen, hopefully at least as NASCAR has tried to promise will allow them to be sustainable in the long haul. So yeah, I'm not happy about it. It's just, and I'm no, I haven't seen anyone's bottom line, but based on everything people have said, it sounds like it just might have been necessary from an industry standpoint to just get more competitive teams and, and kind of balance things out. I think part of my argument too is just that with the COT, you had a spec car. Everyone had the same car. Like the the only difference was stickers between manufacturers. Like I think my point is you're never wasn't it get wasn't just the it was the same body. It was not the same. They were teams were still making their own chassis and everything like that. Yeah, but it was it was, it was a lot of elements of the car. It, but it was generally the same car all around, and and similar with the Gen Six. So there was a little bit of differences for manufacturers, mm-hmm. but. Where, where I'm coming from is I don't think you ever can get away from having innovation in that sense. There's always going to be somebody who pushes it. I don't care how far you go with it. Like there's going to be somebody who is going to figure out a way that's within the rule books that doesn't modify a, a next gen part that somehow finds a loophole in the system. They always have. It's it's the way they're it doing it right now. Probably. No, I think they have. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's what Brad Keselowski is talking about. But exactly. my thing is like when you try NASCAR is from the start, NASCAR has had a history of it will shore up one hole and open up 10 more. Like that's just sure. how it is. These teams are some of the most brilliant people on the planet, in my opinion, because they can find like something out of a, a one twenty eighth of an inch difference so uh, that's where i think i come from this is that it's nice to have this this you know ideal of parody and we're seeing it this year pay off but we see this in a lot of aspects a lot of times when we start off with a new car i i think that getting rid of innovation is just an impossibility personally i think you can tighten the box for sure and like now, rather than, you know, teams, I, I think now the advantages that teams are finding are things like the tape on the grill, which had a negligible effect on those race cars. That had maybe a tiny, like, I think they said it added maybe three or four pounds of downforce. Like 
that's something, but that's basically nothing. So I, I think that's if you tighten the box up to where any of those types of modifications are practically worthless, then naturally spending will come down a little bit. But like I said earlier, no, yeah, we're not naive to the fact that teams are going to still try and spend money. They're going to still try and outspend each other. But I think if you tighten the box, you stand a chance of, of reining some of that in. Well, and then bringing up also with the, like, because NASCAR has, I mean, NASCAR has been left and right saying, oh, we got Michael Jordan in football. It's like, mm-hmm. well, those guys also too are, you know, hundred millionaires, billionaires. Yeah, they, in they the have sense some of, money to Michael blow. Jordan. They have some like, money to blow. But like, Justin Marks isn't. Like that's 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 the one I think that really stands he, out. But he did partner with people who had money. There were other investors in that team. And mm-hmm. when they and when they did invest, remember that was the big argument with Kyle Bush last year as he had said like it's gonna cost more to to have a team now going into it the first few years and then it'll even out over time. So it's like they did have to spend more money to get ahead. When we're, and, and when you look at other guys who are trying to get in right now, you know, Dale Jr. with JRM is talking about it. That dude's worth like half a billion dollars, and he's even like, oh, it's, it, it's really expensive still to get in even for what JRM is looking at. So that's, I think my point of it is, it's like what Brad Kozlowski is trying to go for is an ideal more than a reality. And he and this isn't the first time he's spoken up against like you know some teams bending the rules like well, I remember uh, post race in 2013 at Texas he was even complaining. Well, no, about, I commend you know, I commend too. Brad Keselowski even mm-hmm. if I disagree with him I I fully believe that his heart is 100 percent in improving the sport right now. Yeah, his detriment or not, like I'm not I'm not arguing it in that aspect against him either. It's just mm. I think what he's what he's asking for is something that is kind of naive. Yeah. yeah it's never gonna no i'm with you it's never gonna be perfect but i would i would argue like i said in the past and i can't think of any specific examples off the top of my head but in the past teams would you know bring completely different parts that were borderline uh-huh. they'd be completely modifying certain pieces to gain advantage without uh-huh. nascar knowing now we're adding a tiny little piece of tape to the yep. front end and I, and I understand there's thousands of dollars of research that likely went into those pieces of tape but my point is this, the box has gotten smaller. I do feel like some of those investments aren't going to be, it's not going to be as See, huge of a cost. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, I, but yeah, I, I, I think this is the direction NASCAR, the problem is, he's, his argument is NASCAR didn't need to officiate more. Yes, officiate more. Stop the tape. You know, stop all of it from happening. Like get in there and, and, and penalize more teams to try and get that box even tighter. Because I, I, that, in that sense, I think his argument, yeah, while it's difficult to attain, <laughs> I think it's the right goal to have. But I would I would say that if if you have the cars as close as they are now, those small differences will make a bigger difference because you sure. have that bit of a difference compared to everyone else having the same car. I and like the quote Keslowski had in there is he hopes somebody else gets disqualified this year. I think it was Keslowski who said it. He hopes somebody else gets disqualified this year. Dang, no, he, yeah. wait, he literally said he hopes somebody gets DQ'd this year? I think because he thinks every car that wins is probably doing something a little illegal. Wow. I'll be, I think well, that's what I, my guess is. I'll uh. be real. As somebody who, who loves the chaos and just the entire circus around it, like, I wouldn't mind it. It's oh, enter- it's I, interesting. Yeah. He's not pulling for it from an entertainment perspective. He's pulling for it from a... from a Competition uh, perspective? Yeah, from a... Not a legitimacy. From a... Just... He wants, he wants it for consistency's sake. For to to set the law set the tone I, I can't think of the word there's an obvious word i'm missing but standard set the standard set the standard maybe that's yeah. the word yeah that, that's why he wants he's not he's not wanting the sport to disqualify guys every week because he knows that's bad yeah. pr mm-hmm. but he's saying i think he's subtweeting the field everyone's cheating a little bit 
NASCAR needs to do a better job reining it and, in. And again, like you said, he has the team team hat on. Like where I was coming from, there is I have like the chaos loving fan mm-hmm. media no, side. I agree. And they're two different like, hats. I was trying to yeah. differentiate between the two for sure. Yeah. But no, I, I I think it's a really interesting argument that is like slid under the radar. Integrity. That's the word I was looking yes. for. Tank slap. Right. Think of that word. There you go. Thank you have you. such a great audience. They just they can read our minds better than we yeah, can. Yeah, because we're too busy trying to formulate our, what our what our next right. words will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. We, we could talk about this all night. I think though, uh, for for them being such a great audience, we should probably give them yeah. a bit of a preview of this week's race at mm-hmm. Michigan or the yes. races at Michigan. So let me go through real quick here. We only have two races this week. Uh, we have the yeah. Xfinity and the Cup race. No trucks this week. Xfinity yeah. race is the New Holland 250. It's 125 laps starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on USA and MRN. The forecast this week, it's not the greatest. It's 86 degrees, thunderstorms, 71% chance of rain. That voice, that voice, though. It's not the greatest. But the defending winner is A.J. Allmendinger. I would know I was there. Uh, the cup race is the Firekeepers Casino 400, 200 lap race starting at 3 o'clock Eastern time on USA and MRN as well. A little bit better forecast here. 88 degrees Fahrenheit, though afternoon thunderstorms are going to be a bit of an issue. 40% chance of those. Ryan Blaney is your defending winner on that. Darian, who are the favorites, best of the rest, and underdogs this week? Yes, a very interesting list on this week's Darian's Betting Gods on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. The favorites for this weekend's race at Michigan, Chase Elliott plus 600, Kyle Busch, uh, Kyle Busch plus 650, despite not scoring a single top 10 in seven straight races. So, <laughs> interesting. Uh, Kyle Larson plus 700, Denny Hamlin plus 750, and Ross Chastain's plus 900. As for the best of the rest, William Byron, Ryan Blaney, and Tyler Reddick are all three tied at plus 1,200. Martin Truex Jr. and Christopher Bell round out the final two slots at, at plus 1,500. Now, for my favorite part of the segment, the underdogs. Joey Logano is at is uh, listed at just um, at just plus 2,000. So, hey, if you want to take advantage of some of these um, some of these odds makers, hey, go for it. And then Bubba Wallace is not too far behind at plus uh, 2,500. And uh, Eric Jones also plus 2,500. And rounding out the final two spots are very interesting. Chase Briscoe plus 5,000. But Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is plus 10,000. He shows up at these races randomly. He he will randomly show up and finish second or, or third at some of these races, races. Might compete for the victory. Hey, Michigan might be one of those places. You never know. We've seen it. We've seen him run up front on uh, some other intermediate tracks before, too. So, hey be on the lookout for it um but also too um i almost forgot my bad uh this week's um fantasy picks or uh, excuse me this week's um uh, uh point standings for the uh for the nascar weekly podcast fantasy league <clears throat> uh this weekend trevor sports 98 continues to hold the points lead um just over hold on uh just nine points above of toyota tough uh sitting in second place in third is 24 for life Fourth is RPG Racing 2. And finally, rounding out the top five is 48 Nation. And then looking at our current NASCAR Wiki podcast pick points, Eric still has the lead at 408, but the chat is actually making up some ground. They are only minus 16 after picking the Xfinity winner when none of us did and the highest finishing cup uh, guy in Chase Elliott of any of us that picked. And then there are the bottom three. 
Darian is minus 67 in third, falling back to Danny, who is minus 86 in fourth. And I am now in the double digits again for at least this week. Minus 95 in last. I got my championship. I don't care. So going into the picks, Eric, you start us off. Who do you think wins the Xfinity race? this week all right i'm not playing games this week chad i've taken some some leaps the last couple weeks like i think i had suarez at like road america or pocono i picked him at pocono like i'm not i'm not gonna do anything too funny here we got to get back to our winning ways got to pull away a little bit i don't know i see someone in the chat that's about to threaten chaos let's watch out uh no i'm going all in noah gregson wins the xfinity race just feels like you know big fast track like this jrm and ty gibbs will be the the teams to beat you know, I was going to pick between uh, Ty Gibbs and Noah Gregson, but hey, what the hell? I'm already basically out of the championship hunt at this point, it seems like. So I might as well have some fun with it while I'm at it uh, for the rest of the season. But, uh, you know, he's making his Cup Series debut this weekend. Um, he's shown some speed at some of these places before. Uh, Austin Hill. I think he'll get the W. Well, Danny sent me his picks for this week, and his Xfinity pick is going to be Justin Allgaier in the seven car. And I'm going to be in the similar vein as Eric and Danny here. I think JRM's going to get it. But this guy had it in the bag until some late cautions last year. Uh, really, really fast and had the right strategy. I think that he gets redemption. He ran well in the in uh, Charlotte, the most recent race to kind of be like this. I'm going to go Josh Berry as my pick this week. I think the chat agrees with you on Josh Berry. Yeah, yeah that's what it's games. looking like. How do you forget who I picked? I just picked. How'd you already forget? <laughs> that's on you, chat. If y'all fall behind, that's on you. <laughs> no, I'm going to give him Josh Berry here. All right, cool. All right, who's sucking this week? Sucking in the cup race. <laughs> I don't know, Kyle Busch. I'll just go throw Kyle Busch out there. I don't know if I've ever picked him for this, but was it seven straight races? Or no seven race 10. stretch? Yeah. yeah. I don't mm-hmm. have any reason. I, I He'll probably do better than that this week but let's just let's just keep the ball rolling let's keep piling on insanity well, well speak well speaking of uh of uh let's keep piling on uh cole custer the usual suspect of course uh the usual suspect for my who's gonna suck it uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna add in a little bit more stir in the pot this week uh this guy has not been that great at mile and a half and two mile intermediates uh this year whether it's his fault or not and i'm looking Back at his his numbers right now, he finished 18th at Auto Club, 36th at Las Vegas, uh, 13th at Kansas, and 29th in the Coke 600. Whether it's his fault or not, uh, the numbers aren't there for any kind of similarity when it comes to tracks like this. Because of that, I am picking Ryan Blaney to suck this week, the defending (laughs) winner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then looking at the chat, the chat is unanimous you can't pick this guy as your winner uh they're going eric almarola see they idk has them scared they're just like they're just afraid if he's um in the running for who's gonna win that everyone's gonna pick him all of a sudden hey i don't blame them man because they lost some points that week <laughs> so, they're still feeling it they're they're smart man yeah. strategy all right who's the dark horse this week I want to, before I talk about my dark horse, I meant to shout this guy out earlier uh, when I was looking at the Xfinity entry list. But for the Xfinity race, Jordan Anderson Racing has two cars 31 of Maya mm-hmm. Snyder, and Jordan himself will be driving the 32 
Just yeah. Me. So I just wanted to give him a shout out, friend of the show. Uh, but for my Cup Series dark horse, I'm going to Eric Jones. Was great at the end of uh, the Fontana race at the beginning of the year. Obviously, that was like a long, 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 long time ago. But Eric Jones is in a must-win scenario. I think he'll rise to the occasion and be in the top five towards the end. Again, there's always something about this guy. It's like when you think he's like he's not going to run well, he runs extremely well all of a sudden at, at some of the most random, you know, mile and a half and two mile tracks. And I think Ricky Stenhouse Jr., like I'm not saying he's going to be a contender for the win, but like, I mean, I, I think he's going to run up front for a lot of that race, though. I don't know. It's just something about him. He just seems to shine at at the most randomness of times. So Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy who is really fast at Auto Club. I'm going to pick him as a dark horse while he still can be considered a dark horse. I'm going to go Daniel Suarez. And the chat's looking pretty heavily towards Eric Jones. Yeah, like. 43s, they're everywhere, <laughs> including the bots. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Mods, by the way, for handling those bots. Yeah, good but, job, Mods. Yeah, Y'all are yeah. great. Uh, the 43s, um, getting Eric Jones, he might as well. And that leaves one more. Yes, my favorite pick. Who's gonna win? Who's gonna win at Michigan? Chase Elliott. Oh, so no surprise picks for us, nothing like that. No, I told you I'm not doing any surprises Man, this week. Hey, hey, really quick, Eric. Let me ask you this question before I make my pick. Um, didn't you say that we would have um uh, 15 or, or more winners? Correct. Yes. So that means that we have to have an um at least one underdog win. In the final four races, correct? I mean, I guess Blaney or Truex could get it, but yes. No, 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 no. I'm talking about like below the cut line. I think there's a Never very good it. chance someone below the cut line wins, but I don't hey, know for sure. Look, look man, uh, this is going to seem like a, a crazy pick to some, but you know what? I'm already minus 67. I might as well have some fun with this, right? So look, I've been, um, you know, I've been in the same boat as Eric. We get 15 or more winners this year. I feel like one of those is going to come um, uh, below the cut line before season's end. Hey, this guy's won here before. He, without a doubt, has the most momentum out of the guys um, below the cut line. Oh, my so, God. So, Bubble Wallace somehow pulls it off. I don't know how, but whether it's on speed or strategy alone, but, hey, look, I'm already 67 points behind, and I said that we would have 15 or more winners, and, hey, why not? Hey, let's see how Bubble Wallace performs this weekend. I like wow. it. I like it. It's a good pick. It's, it's a bold. It's, it's very a bu- bold. It's a, it's a, it's a little bold. It, it's a little it's a bold, ballsy, but a little it's bold. not a bad one. It's a ballsy pick, I guess. Well, uh, Danny is not going on that much of a limit with Darian. He's also picking Chase Elliott. My guy, uh, this might be a little surprising with some, uh, but he's still really fast at intermediates. He leads laps still on these tracks, even with a down year, so uh, quote-unquote. Michigan is one of his best tracks, especially with throttle control being in play this year compared to last. Uh, I'm going with Kyle Larson as my pick to win. And I've seen a lot of Blaney's, but that's not the only real ones I'm seeing too. I've seen I'm seeing a lot of fours as well. Yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing Harvick. I'm seeing Blaney. Oh, pick Harvick. Another oh, yeah. guy below the cut line. Ooh, Harvick. That's that... a great pick. Oh, that's an outstanding pick. pick. I, that's a go. Go for him, chat. Harvick, Harvick, four, hey, chat, four, I, four, I'm four, just letting y'all know, four, Chad, four, you're, four, only minus four, six, four. you're only minus 16 outside of the you league. You could pass so. me if you pick Harvick. I'm, trust me, I Harvick, I'm four, 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 hey, four, four. All right, hey, I'm going to put a hole for Blaney and, and Harvick. It looks I'm not like, seeing yeah. a lot of fours in the chat. Blaney is disappointing me. Who 
gonna Wee. I see a couple of 24s. Oh, wait, no, that's from the same guy. Never Don't mind. pick Doesn't Elliot. Matter. That's lame. That's what I picked. All right. Poll you don't want to be now. lame, do you, chat? Chat. Poll going up now. I think it's going to go towards Blaney personally, but you never know. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's. Uh... Wow, chat going between two non winners this hey, year. It's 50 50 right now. I mean, there's only four people. Left, but... Oh, yeah, never, no, mind. never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Well, we'll <laughs> let this go into our next Super Chat stage break. Mm -hmm. Our final Super Chat stage break of the night. Mm -hmm. how, about, how about that? Oh, yeah. We forgot to say it. Oh, wait, did you say stage break uh, earlier? You did say it earlier. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I missed it. Yeah. Good job. Right, I'm going to refresh, by the way, just to make sure that I get all of them in. I. I don't remember the last one I was on, but I'm sure I will as soon as I see it. Uh, so let's go down the line. Good Lord. There were a lot tonight. I'm very, uh, very thankful for y'all. I'm just going to see. Um, all right. Remember doing that one. Remember doing that one. The last one I did was from... Harvick's catching up in the poll. Yeah, he's catching up a little bit. Harvick, Harvick. Uh, all right. I know the last Harvick. one. All right, I'm going to start it off. Once the Super Chats are done, I will be uh, ending the poll wherever it stands. So, Zach Taylor, thank you for the $4.99, says, So, should they extend the pit road wall to help from not going six wide into turn one? Like, have a wall funneled down narrowly? I think I brought that up, and it was it was shot down. Yeah, well, I don't know if, I don't know how big a difference it would make. Maybe a little. Mm -hmm. uh, Soupy Spirit, thank you for the 10 says, NASCAR should leave Indy outright. I feel that this, uh, that it is Daytona for open wheel racing, and NASCAR should stick to their own tracks. IndyCar wouldn't race on Daytona, so we shouldn't race on their tracks. Well, they wouldn't race on That's... there for for safety reasons, though. That's a thing, you know. But I, but, yeah. Uh, Napa Racing Fan 927, including the All Star Race, William Byron has one top ten in the last fifteen races. Alex Bowman hasn't had a top 10 since Charlotte. What is wrong with the 24 and 48? I don't There's, know. Hey, they're just not good. It's not very good. Sorry, just Danny's not here. I'm, I'm really taking advantage of, of his boy. <laughs> uh, Antar Das, thank you for the 9.99. I love road courses as I'm an IndyCar and F1 fan. However, mm -hmm. the culture of racing is a major problem. Like driving five wide into turn one, have single file restarts, Chastain deserves a penalty, uh, gaining the advantage. I mean, again, that, I think that if it reaches a certain point, they should be like, hey, we will make you go single file if it hits a certain point. Um, Kendall42, thank you for the 10. I hope one of you guys has him as your win pick coming this weekend. Since 2013, he has uh, won there every three years. Most impressive part. They're all from the poll. I think that's talking about Kevin Harvick, isn't it? Uh, sounds right. Sounds he, like he's it. Right. He's won here, what, like five times? Something a like lot. That he's yeah. won a lot. Uh, Melon Smasher won. Thank you for the 199. Stop calling it an access road. It's a secret tunnel. <laughs> secret <laughs> tunnel. In the mountains. Uh, Nova Stone, 12. Thank you for the two. Says, I don't know. Gibbs has not impressed me. Two races, zero top tens. So I, I don't know if it's troll or not, but. <laughs> a troll post but i mean it's, it's been all right our reaction says it all <laughs> mafire 924 thank you for the two hms ain't hiding nothing larson just messed up i mean he might have i just overheated the brakes over the course of a run maybe well um, damn that's a that's a pretty big mess up for him, a driver mm -hmm. of his caliber then <laughs> uh wolfian 
0617 wasn't the rule you can't take it uh take the cut if you miss the turn he didn't miss the turn he just drove straight past the corner (laughs) (laughs) it's a a gray area area. no stone 12 with another two why would hms hide info on breaks zero issues for others i mean i'm not saying that they were necessarily hiding the info but like I don't know. I don't know. No, it's, it's, something's it's fishy. Something's fishy. It is man. very weird. Yeah. It's fishy, bro. Ross Crash Stain. Thank you for the two. I forgot to take the Joker lap. My bad, guys. <laughs> uh, Nova Stone 12. Thank you for the two. Road Course winners. Not same as Oval. Shouldn't count the same. Ah, no. No. 54 Designs. Thank you for the 499. I'm booking it now. P12 or better for Ty Gibbs this weekend. What do you guys think? Does the consistency continue or does he struggle? I. I'd go with that bet of finishing around 12th, maybe 10th. I just think this car is so edgy at intermediates. I think he'll spin out at some point. If he's, if he's, I think, I think he's either going to ride around in 20th, or he's going to push to the top 10 and spin out at some point. That's my, that's my prediction. I'm sorry. Who was the driver again? I, I Ty Gibbs. Lost. Oh, Ty Gibbs. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd say top 15, top 20ish, around that, around that area. Hot piss with the 999. What a race. My first time at Indy, my guy Blaney was getting every second out of those tires. Sad he didn't win, but 9.5 out of 10 race for me. Also loved the Elliott fan shrieking when he spun out in stage one. Isn't it funny when Chase Elliott fans just they just get so angry in the stands, man? This is it's one of the most hilarious things. Uh, Chips never 957. Thank you for the two. Busher finished tenth after being on fire. I know Eric, you put pointed that out, but it's like that's there's some a super chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're reading. Yeah, super it's, chat now. Yeah. it's awesome just to say that. Uh, Jay Crater 175. Thank you for the five. Says how about that sellout at North Wilkes last night? Mm-hmm. That was pretty awesome. Marky cool. Mark. Thank you for the two. Nice. NBC is better than Fox in my opinion. Better graphics and info. I think we all, for the most I part, agree. agree. Brian Jenkins, thank you for the five. Do you guys think Alex Bowman will be able to turn his luck around? Uh, he's, he's in a Hendrick car, so there's always the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. He has plenty of time to do so. Uh, Jake Creator, 175, thank you for a $10 super chat. I look at the ratings like this. Between three NASCAR series, five million people tuned in over the weekend to watch NASCAR sanctioning races. That is a win, in his opinion. That's pretty, I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah. When you put it like that. <laughs> uh, Zachary Dale Jr. fan, thank you for the two. 48 team fell off a cliff after the break. What uh-huh. happened? Uh, that's the question they're probably trying to answer. Secret <laughs> tunnel. <laughs> Mafire924, thank you for the $2 super chat. Hosevar is anti-chase through though zero wins versus three in trucks. Um, okay. Uh, Twin Spinner, thank you for the two thoughts on colleague giving AJ a full-time cup ride in 23. Uh, AJ doesn't want it. Yeah, he doesn't want it. I don't even know if he wants one. He likes his little, you know, trophy hunting schedule. He likes his deal, yeah. I mean, he gets the racing in the select races he chooses for cup. Seems like a good deal. And he's competitive, too. Uh, Melon Smasher, one. Thank you for the 199. Joey, 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 I love you. Uh, Mark Randall, thank you for the five. Are any of you going to Talladega in October? Oh. Maybe. Keep an eye out. Yeah, you'll look up. We we might. We might. Perhaps. Maybe. Groove Goose, thank you for the 199. Make the UFO, pull a Kyle Larson, and spin it. That's good. That's good, Groove Goose. (laughs) Cameron Dufty, thank you for the 499. How impressive with the 17, finishing 10th after being on fire. Agree? Amazing. 
Blast beat the Fulf. Thank you for the two dollar super chat. I I got to fist bump Grant and Finger out at IRP. Well, that's awesome. That's cool. Nice. Sweet. PTM Billy, thank you for the four ninety nine. Speaking of street courses, anybody going to the IndyCar race in Nashville this weekend? This will be my first race. Um, yeah, I'm supposed You're to be covering be it. So yeah, I'll cool. be there. David will be there. I know. Ross Crash Stain with two more $5 Super Chats. One says, have Darian tweet about Chicago Street Course, and Chicagoland is bound to happen then. And then he says, if Bowman could get a good car, he wouldn't be in the situations that have caused two of the DNFs. And the others were Flat Tire and Karen Harvick. Um, NASCAR Bowman 48 says, Bowman can still race. He finished second in the Xfinity race at Indy and was one of the only ones to keep pace with AJ or even close to him. I read that earlier too. Uh, Jake Stu, thank you for the $5 Super Chat. Will any of y'all be at Michigan this weekend? I don't no. think any of us will. No. Also, with more horsepower in the next gen, do y'all think we will see plus 200 speeds in Michigan again? Maybe one day. Ooh, we'll I, I hope I hope we see that again. Depends someday. on what the draft does, I think. Mm-hmm. Melon Smasher 1, thank you for the four ninety nine. Uh, if you're going to bash Bowman wins, when Danny's not here, Eric, you better not be gone anytime soon or Kenseth gets it. <laughs> you better not tell Danny what you've heard here tonight. <laughs> but Kenseth's trust- not even racing. I'm trusting you, chat. No, but his legacy still lives on. <laughs> <laughs> Twisted he actually under- did race uh, like last night or the night before, finished top 10 in Wisconsin in a stacked super late mile race and he nice. spun out and still came back to get a top 10 nice nice twisted underscore nipples 82 for the five says figured i'd share a little winnings bubble was plus six thousand to be the first toyota figured that was a steal love the content and love the show guys well, thank you man. thank you hey, i love smart, the name hey, smart man hey you might want to put some money on him again this weekend just maybe just maybe um, don't don't want to send a darius <laughs> <laughs> do we need to re- remind you guys the pick points <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Meyer, thank you for the five. Daniel Suarez said in the docuseries trailer that he wants to steal the show. Uh, but I think the energy went to Ross because he's a story every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Blake Demond, thank you for the five. Or is it Diamond? I think it might be Diamond. Uh, thank you for the five. We can't discredit Harvick at Michigan. SHR is gaining traction, and, and Harvick has been outperforming the equipment for most of the season. Movement. Guys, Claudia's in the chat. She says she's gonna tell Danny what we've been saying. I saw that. Yeah, I'm, I saw that. I didn't say anything. I just, I just listed off statistics. Cla- okay, yeah. me, Claudia, Claudia, please. <laughs> I'm just never gonna miss another show. Uh, well, this is from our new member, Movement, to the channel. Thank you for the five dollar super chat as well. And he says, Bill Elliott Motorsports. Um, Bake the Snake. Thank you for ten. Uh, says for his personal picks. Uh, Xfinity, personal, Omninger, realistic, Ty Gibbs, Cup, personal, Keselowski, realistic, Larson. Let me just redo this really quick, make sure I didn't miss any, and... I think you have a few more. more. Yeah, a few more. Uh, Napa Racing Fan 927, thank you for the two. NASCAR being bold and innovative by removing Texas. And that'd be awesome. The last one from Groovy Goose for 199. Eric to 2311, I see that shirt spin the UFO. What is on that shirt, Eric? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, what is on that shirt, Eric? My parents were just recently near your neck of the woods out in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee, and my dad came home and got me this T-shirt that says, Bear Jordan. (laughs) Get it? Like a grizzly bear or a black bear? Yes, Eric, you get it. 
<laughs> I just had to wear. He probably isn't watching, so he probably didn't care. I probably just embarrassed myself for nothing. But yeah, thanks for the shirt, Dad. It's very comfortable. It's a good looking shirt. I think we should end the show yeah. now. <laughs> the, chat, the chat has spoken, by the way. Blaney is y'all's pick. No going back. All right. Let me let me end that poll officially. It's actually closer than I thought it'd be. All right. They think he's gonna be defending his win this weekend. All right. So next week. We'll be on Danny B's channel. He'll be back August 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Going to be really, really fun. And then remember that after we go over all the events of Michigan, preview Richmond, watch that race and get to the next Wednesday. We're going to be on Eric's channel Wednesday night, August 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. That'll be our 200th episode. So next week mm -hmm. is 199. Let's get to 200 in two weeks. Again, I just got to stay on this earth for two more weeks and I'll have 200 in a row. I just, nothing happened to me in that time. I don't yeah, get yeah. Never missed the show. Eaten by yeah, a T-Rex. We were joking about that after, not joking, talking about that after the show last week, but Jarrett has been, is the only one of the four of us who's been present in every episode. Mm -hmm. All the rest of us have missed at least a handful. And obviously Danny and Jarrett started the show together. Then I joined, then Darian joined. But that that's admirable. We need to, like, make you a cake or something for that episode, Jarrett. <laughs> I like cake. <laughs> I, that sounds good to me we'll, we'll make it happen sweet melon smasher playing us out with some secret tunnel i've got the dale call it's not set to the tune of secret tunnel but i can do my best all right let's hear it all right let's hear it well it's just gonna kind of go something like bye <laughs> you didn't even hear nothing bye <laughs> oh, holy moly Take off! Yeah! This guy. thank you Hell yeah. Woohoo! Great job, man. Yeah. Uh, and we got a crash. Car's spinning left and right. Buddy, let her rip. Right like hell, baby. Come on. Oh, my God, guys. Yes. Yes. Unbelievable. You guys are the best. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, what a year. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.